welcome to another episode of the Rayados 90 podcast. I'm your host, Eduardo Dorazo, and joining me as always is Patrick Mihan. Pat, it was a it was a busy week for Club de Football Monterrey as on Tuesday they had Copa MX action. And and we'll start there. Obviously the the dominant headline will be Vincent Janssen's hat trick. So let, let's talk about Janssen. What what just give me your initial reaction when you saw Janssen score his hat trick. Hello everybody. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun match. Um, just because while we were just watching the game, all of us, all Rayals fans, we were also on Twitter just <laughs> having fun with the Jansen hat trick. Um, he he is a great hat trick, uh, you know. Um, good technique. He he showed his willingness or his desire to have minutes in the first team or not in the first team, but you know in the in the league team because he's been starting mainly in. Copa Mekis, or really only in Copa Mekis. Uh, and, you know, I, I think Turco, I mean, I don't know, I don't see the trainings or any of that, but I just think Turco doesn't really want to move it that much just to, you know, move the lineup that much just so that he, because he, he, he knows for sure what's happening when he puts Funes Mori in the field. And maybe with Jensen, he doesn't want to, like, try something, um, you know, that could end up hurting us. But, you know, uh, we'll talk at, about that league game in a minute. But, uh, um, yeah, Jensen was great. Uh, even though he plays with the with the younger kids of the squad. And a lot of times he looked frustrated or not frustrated, just that, you know, he didn't get the ball a bunch of times where he could have even scored more goals, you know. Uh, but he did good. And um, I want to see more of him. I want to see more of him because he... I mean, he he shows his talent because he definitely has it. Yeah, no, you can look at the second goal. The second goal is the, I mean, the third goal was pretty impressive, but like the second goal, that that just showed his his dribbling. He got past two defenders, albeit they're I'm not gonna call it lazy defending, but yeah, he he made quick work of those defenders and then went far side on the on the keeper under. You know, he shot the ball under under the keeper's arm just at an angle where the keeper couldn't get it. And, yeah, that was the most impressive one out of the bunch. And the third goal, he he was just going in all alone. He, the keeper was being aggressive, and he just got by him and empty, empty net, third goal there. But for me, it's just like he's making a case that he wants league league minutes. And I don't mean just coming in as a, as a sub. He wants... You know he wants to start, and and we'll get into it uh, when we talk a little bit about Cholos or the match against Cholos, where it puts pressure on on Funes Mori to perform because if a guy behind you is is scoring goals, especially against granted it's second division, but Funes Mori didn't do much against Veracruz, and and not to diss Veracruz, but their squad is a second division squad. The only reason why they're up is because their owner. You know, decided to pay that fee that that allows them to stay up. But for the most part, that's a second division squad, and Funes Mori barely got one goal, and and then Jansen just a couple of days later, he's the one just taking advantage of all the scoring opportunities and, and even having some more work. Like you said, Pat, he could have gotten more goals, more than three. But uh, moving on in that matchup, you saw Angel Saldivar make a. You know, weird appearance. I mean, uh, the funny moment in that match for me was when 
Jansen was trying to take the penalty kick at that he um that he drew and all of a sudden I, well I'm not sure if it was Jansen that created that penalty chance uh, I have to look back but it, it was funny that Zaldivar was ambitious and wanted to take the PK <laughs> but Jansen was like no he do you didn't think it was a... no go ahead do you think it was Zaldivar no just do you think it was Zaldivar trying to take it or wanted to give it to somebody else I think he wanted to take it I well, that's he, crazy. Like he should sit. Or, I sit mean, back. he's a striker, so yeah. But still, like that, that, that was just funny. That was just yeah, yeah. didn't pay much attention to him. <laughs> and you know what the funny part is that if Zalio ended up taking it, he would have probably got in the hat trick because he got two goals himself. He got one. That's right. Uh, he got one off a header, if I'm not mistaken, and then the other one was uh, I forgot the. Uh, it was just like a, like he scored at a weird angle, and I think in the second. In the second half, it was. I think the ball went off one of the cafetaleros, and 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 then they just landed on Salivar, and Salivar just kicked it in, and, and that was the second goal. But yeah, if he would have taken that PK, well, you know, if he would have scored, then it would have been him with the hat trick, which would have been even weirder. But but yeah, Jason paid no attention to him when Salivar was, you know, claiming or trying to say, hey, let me take the the PK, but. There was a, there's another story in that in that matchup is that Maxi Mesa looked like he's kind of much done playing here. It's just he didn't look, you know, contrary to Jansen where Jansen just dominated. Uh, Maxi Mesa, for the most part, was invisible. Didn't dominate as someone you'd expect, and it just looks like he's he's done here. I, I think. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll talk on this a little bit, but there's rumors that Boca Juniors are back in the discussion for him for a potential swap. Uh, I don't know how true those rumors are, but where there's smoke, there can be some fire. But Pat, I think just I, I think you t- you tweeted that out too that Maxi Mesa just he looks done here, and and just anything you want to add add on to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think you described it in the sense of, you know, he just doesn't seem uh, connected with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, Turku even said it after the game, like he's one of those players that, and I, and I truly believe this as well, but I think he just hasn't been able to do it. So that's why I'm not giving him any more, you know, um, time. But Turku said it, like um, he's one of those players that's very talented. He just needs one to, you know, start rolling. And and I'm sure that's that's the case. But you know, how long has he been trying to get one to start rolling? Uh, I guess Turco's new with him, so he still has patience with him. But um, yeah, he did, he didn't look great in that in that cup game, which would have been perfect to show off your skills, yeah. your your talent to some B team, like even Saldivar showed off his his talent. Because you know, at the end of the day, he's still a Division One talent, yeah. but just not enough for Rayos. Uh, but yeah, it was weird to see Maximus struggle in another match, in an easy match. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I said, where we saw Jansen dominate, Maximus didn't take this as an opportunity to dominate because, you know, he's going to be part of this club or squad until January when we'll see what happens there. But he's going to be with the squad in Qatar, and he can easily be a, a valuable piece going forward. He just he could have used this cup match to just get rolling, have some momentum, gain some confidence. 
but it's just it's just not working for him. And I guess let's just talk about this a little bit. Do you believe or do you see him ending up at Boca Juniors? Because over the summer, this was this was a little discussion. Uh, obviously, his value is even lower now than than expected. And so, what do you think is going to happen with him in the in the future? Uh, I don't know. You know, a lot a lot of things change if we have Turco or if we have another coach. Like we've said it before, you know. At the end of the day, in January, it's difficult to move big names, and also we do not know who's staying. Our president might even leave. So it it, it changes it, that changes the, that whole game. But uh, I see him staying just because of that, you know, if it's that complicated. And especially if there's a lot of moves, you might not want to switch a lot of what's in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the players and maybe wait till summer for that. You know, get accustomed with a new president, with a new sporting director, with a new coach. If that's the case, you know, we don't know. But that may happen. So it just depends on all of that, really. I do think one big name might leave. I think if I'm putting money down no, I'm not going to put any money down but I think one big name player will leave just one I don't think I know I've seen a tweet by um, oh, I forgot I don't want to I don't know I saw a tweet by somebody saying that there's the potential for 10 people to be leaving in you know it could be a combination of players management etc I, I, I just think two if, if there's 10 people leaving potentially leaving I think two maybe three of those are players and i think one of them will be a big name it just it all depends i think uh who's the, who's the player that's linked uh from boca to monterrey pad i forgot his name i think his last name is like Mar- Mar- marconi or yeah Ivan Marconi, uh-huh. who, played, who played for cruz azul before well not last tournament but last turn yeah. the one before that and yeah and i heard like there's a swap potential deal between them i'm not like I, I don't know what the dollars would be i i don't think i don't think it would be wise for them to just for it to be a straight up swap i think there has to be some type of money involved or some type of, of uh, also more Ivan Marconi is like a sales artist uh, position so mm-hmm. you know uh, i don't know if that's the wisest guy to take we're, yeah. we're fine with sales i think yeah, unless they unless there's like a uh, unless they have like a different formation where you need two, you know, two defensive midfielders, then that becomes more, you know, it's a more clear situation. But still, uh, yeah. they do have to upgrade that midfield just because Gallardo and Layun they had them in the midfield, and that's that's not a very they're not midfielders for me. They're not midfielders. They're they're wing backs. They're, they're they're not your prototypical midfielder, so they do need to. That's like a that's a that's a position that definitely needs to be upgraded. Even though Charlie Rodriguez had a had a decent game against Cafeteleros, I think he he also needs some type of competition. Also, Jonathan Gonzalez has been in and out of the lineup, and and we'll see what his future holds with the club. Uh, we'll talk about it in depth in our question segment. And then we have somebody else on the pod that's kind of familiar with his situation. But um, what do you think, Pat? Do you think that they got to, you know, update that midfield? Because we saw it against Cholos. I don't think we can go into another tournament with La Yun and Gallardo potentially being t- the two midfielders. 
Yeah, I do think I do think they 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 got updated, but I also do think it's not like that's not maybe the priority. But um, yeah, if you want to have a guy like Gallardo on the left side or a guy like um, Layun in the right side, uh, or that not in the right side but in like a right mid, uh, I think they'll be will be will will be better fitted with other players that actually do play that position because Gallardo mm-hmm. and Layun are more suitable coming from the back, not mm-hmm. starting from the middle. But you know they play them really just because they play there just because there's Vanchioni and there's Stefan Medina. Mm-hmm. You know, if there wasn't any of them that were playing in their natural positions, where it's where the where they're defenders, mm-hmm. uh, but that that really does tell you that there's nobody there in that right or left mid, so they mm-hmm. got to put two left backs. Yeah, and and just let one last thing before we move on to since we're already talking a little bit about that Cholos matchup, but just to go back to the cafete, cafeteleros, uh, what do you how do, what did you make of Luis Cardenas' performance because? As we talked about it on the last on the last podcast, uh, Barovero's contract is up, and you kind of have to wonder what what do they if do they have something in Cardenas going forward? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think he could be a great great goalkeeper for not only for us but for any um, team in the in the in the Mexican league. And I just, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I've seen him, yeah, on cup games and stuff like that. But you know, it's it's a matter of you wanna you wanna give him that boat of confidence, go for it. Uh, at least you know he's young, and he wouldn't mind in the future, like a year if it doesn't work out, to go back to the bench. So that's why I'm okay with trying to give him that boat of confidence. Um, but I don't know. I don't think I like I've seen some great performances from him or some great saves. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm good, confident enough to give him a whole 17 or 18 games in a season, you know? Yeah, I mean, he, there was this one good save that he made uh, against Cafeteleros where he, he just stood, like, he stood his ground. He didn't he didn't panic. He decided, you know what, I'm going to let you come to me rather than me being aggressive and going to you. And he made the stop and obviously had the clean sheet. Uh, but like you said, there's there's a difference between playing against second division teams and, and playing against someone like Tigres, for example, in the first division. And we just haven't seen enough enough of him against first division teams where we can say, yeah, you know what, we can give him at least one tournament to prove himself. And and if the board decides or management decides to say, hey, you know what, we're going to ride with him, uh, even though he's inexperienced. Uh, it could it could blow up in their face. It could either make them look like genius, or, or like I said, it'll blow up in their face. But that's going to be one tough decision to. And it all depends on what they want to address in, in January, because I don't know if Barovero can can go another semester at that age, being being the guy. I we've seen him at, at, throughout this tournament have aches and pains and where he's just muscles are, are tightening up on him. And it's just, it, it, you can, you can see that the, that the writing's on the wall, that, that he's, he's on his last leg. And so I, I think maybe give him the clausura for Cardenas. And then over the summer where it's more easier to, to get players, then decide. But then you also have that cloud of um, Hugo Gonzalez. We don't know what's going to happen with him. He's going to be back on, he's going to return back from his loan. Uh, I 
don't want him. I, I hope they either loan him out or sell him. But I think I wouldn't be too upset if they decide to give Cardenas the the clausura as the as the tournament for him to prove himself before they decide to go in and spend money on a on a keeper. So we'll we'll, just, we'll see what the future holds. But Pat, uh, I know I'm going to have someone talking more in depth on what happened against Cholos. So I just want to get your thoughts on on the match in general because for some reason the 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 football gods are are letting Monterrey <laughs> off the hook because when when we were talking we thought it was over just because yeah well they lost well they didn't lose but it kind of felt like a loss they drew one one against Veracruz and. It, it looked like the sky was falling. And granted, you know, you, you draw against the worst team possibly ever assimilated in, in the first division in Veracruz. And you're at home. You know you need to win. And they drew. So I thought, you know what, this is over. We're, we're, we're not going to make it. Just because two and two, they had to like hop over a a ton of teams, but it looks like those teams either don't want to make the Ligia or, or I don't know what, but today, uh, Juarez, they, they, or not Juarez, but Pumas drew against Juarez. Obviously, Monterrey beat Cholos, uh, Pachuca, did they draw? I think they drew, right? Or, or, or Pat, do you uh, know that? Oh, catch me off guard on that one. I don't, yeah, I remember off the top of my head. Yeah, well, Pretty much the, the teams that were either had a better that were ahead of them or just right it's behind tight. them. Oh, okay, yeah, because I know I think, yeah, because I know some Torados fans were like yeah. low key cheering on for Tigres just because we're, we're desperate, <laughs> but yeah, I see. So a lot of the teams are either ahead or like in better positions where the, 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 the rest of the schedule they have favorable matchups, but some of them just laid an egg they drew or they lost and and yeah i mean morelia too i think morelia did they lose to puebla i think they lost to puebla right because i know last time i checked i, I i'm sorry that i didn't see these schedules but but yeah i mean it's just puebla was winning on that one and morelia turn it around and the report. Okay, yeah, I didn't see it. So it's pretty much that eighth spot where like four four teams, I think Pumas, Cholos, Monterrey and and Pachuca are all fighting for that last last spot. And it's pretty much Monterrey's position to lose because they they don't need any help as long as they beat Atlas at home, then they're in. It doesn't matter what anybody else does because they hold the tiebreaker with Cholos. If Cholos wins and and Monterrey wins just by the goal differential, uh, unless Cholos, you know, makes like six or seven goals and, and has a clean sheet, like has some ridiculous goals, uh, the goal differential, uh, which is the tiebreaker, should should favor Monterrey. So, do, what do you think, Pat? Do you think it's uh, do you think that they pull it through? Because we'll we'll talk about this a little bit uh, against Cholos. Uh, I don't know where, who this team was, but they. They went into a must-win game, like really must-win, and they pulled out a four-nothing win. Yeah, yeah, they 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 did great. Um, you know, ever since Mohamed came back, we're 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 unbeaten, and you know something that we definitely couldn't say with the Alonso. He lost seven times. You know, um, I don't think we ever did like a three in a row without 
losing and with Mohamed we're already at that. Um I know some results were really bad, like you know, Chivas and Veracruz, but with with the way we were going, you know, it, it was definitely better uh, what we have right now. Uh also I mean <laughs> with the way things are going, uh Rayados He's probably gonna tie against Atlas and then have other teams help him out by losing or something. I don't know, but yeah, they look great against Cholos, and I'm just hoping. And I do think, you know, um, Monterrey can make us look good against Atlas and and have a good liguilla after that. You know, go into the liguilla with that super, you know, momentum going their way. You know, unbeaten. Uh, two wins in a row, you know, that would be something really great to to, to start a Liguilla. But touching on that Cholos game just a little bit, uh, I saw a great match. Pizarro played great. Pizarro, apart from that goal, you know, he was really uh, letting people do their, their runs and giving them the ball, opening space, uh, you know, some great balls, some great movements. And who else did I like? Um, I just to cut you off, Pat, you know what I'm going to say that I was impressed by? They took advantage that Cholos were down for pretty much the most yeah. of the game to 10 men. Like they, helped, they, yeah. yeah, yeah, it helps, but they, they, they made advantage. sure, yeah, they took advantage of it and made sure that they, they didn't allow Cholos to have any kind of life, any, any sense of, hey, let's get that one goal and defend it to, to the end because, like like Monterrey, Cholos needed a, a positive result. They needed that. They didn't need a win. A, I think a draw for them would have been all right, just because they, for the most part, it would have probably eliminated Monterrey, just because yeah. just getting one point was going to be good enough for them. But kudos to 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 Monterrey. They they didn't they didn't fuck around. They got they 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 once they once they up once they went up one man, they. They took advantage. They scored four goals, something that's been a while since they've freed up a team. It's it, we, I don't think we've seen it this year. All, yeah, I don't think we've seen it all year where they they look dominant. They look like just the, the other team looked so inferior to them. Like I said, granted, they were up ten, uh, up a man, but still, they, 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 they didn't allow Cholos to have any kind of life. And obviously... Uh, Funes Mori knows that he has somebody on his heels, and he comes out and scores two goals, generates a generates a penalty kick, and Nico Sanchez, as always, converts it. And then, as you mentioned, that Pizarro goal, where you know he gets by one of the Cholos defenders, and then just goes top shelf on the on the goalkeeper. And and yeah, it was just a solid performance by by everyone around. There wasn't really no instances where. You can really complain and, and just single out someone. I mean, there was a couple mistakes, but for the most part, it's it's stuff that hey, the win's the win. So let's just move on to the next matchup against uh, Atlas. But yeah, anybody else aside from Pizarro that caught your eye? Um, uh, I liked you know I liked Funes Mori in in in, in before he um, on his two goals. Obviously, I think they were great, but. I like what he he, the, he created more than that, you know, goal scoring opportunities. Uh, <laughs> I also like, well, I don't know if I the word is liked, but you know, that penalty to get that guy red card, and then also get a penalty uh, was a little bit, you know, I think obviously it was a penalty, and I think it was a red card as well. But 
that is typical for Nesmori. His 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 divingness. In a, I I'm in surprised those... that he got called. Like I'm surprised they got called. Like low key, uh, maybe it was just so you couldn't ignore it because he he was shoved. He like the defender was beat, and the only way he could have stopped Nesmori was from like either shoving him or 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 fouling him, uh, which he did. But but yeah, it was just I'm surprised that it got called. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I I like that the fact that he got that. You know, he ended up missing it, but of course he was pushed, and we got the penalty, and that changed the whole game because the Cholos player was red carded, and and that is it. But uh, apart from Pizarro, was definitely my favorite one, and then Gallardo played well. I think Gallardo played well as well. Um, had some, we, I saw some other cool moments from other players, but Pizarro for two matches in a row uh, has caught my eye. Yeah. Um, anything else that that you want to talk about? It. Oh, you know what? Let's, let's talk about the uh, the what's circulating circulating around uh, Rayo's Twitter or Monterrey Twitter. But um, everybody seems to be rooting for for. You know the the clubs that are in prime position to help Monterrey, as we saw this past weekend. Everybody was, uh, you yourself included. You turned your default pick into a a, a Juarez uh, <laughs> related picture. There's people who were not rooting for Tigres, but wouldn't mind them getting a favorable result. There was um, uh, who was the other? Who's the other? I forgot who else? I oh Puebla, yeah Puebla. Even the Puebla's uh. Uh, Twitter account, they kind of yeah. knew that Monterrey were, or Monterrey also, fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their Twitter accounts knew that that Monterrey needs help. Uh, obviously, Juarez came through. Puebla almost came through, but they didn't. But you see, you saw this past weekend that a lot of uh, Monterrey fans were on uh, other clubs' bandwagon. Mm-hmm, yeah. Today, I was watching the Juarez against Pumas game. And, you know, Pumas was up. It was meltdown Twitter, uh, of course, and then Juarez, you know, uh, tied it up. And then the final minutes were insane. Like I got really into it. <laughs> yeah, same. There was two two posts for for Pumas, for Pumas screaming. Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. And and we got that. <laughs> we well, we didn't get anything. Juarez got that point, and we stated we're we're in top eight. We're top eight. Like yeah, everything's lining up. For some reason, they want us in the Liguilla, yeah, man. Somebody yeah, wants I, yeah. Like we said, Monterrey is the only team that pretty much controls its own destiny. Like they don't need any help from anyone. All they got to do is beat Atlas on on Saturday night. I think it's a Saturday night game. I haven't checked like when the what day and time, but regardless, they don't need help from anyone. So, what do you think, Pat? Do you think they make it in? Yeah, I think they make it in. I think they beat Atlas, right? I mean, I think. Like, I thought they were going to beat Chivas and, and, and Veracruz. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. They're going to make it in. They're going to come inspired. And now what happens in Ligue, it just depends against who. Like, I'm looking at Santos right now. They're beating Cruz Azul 3-1. We, we've known what Santos has done throughout. Uh, they've been a great team. That would be a really difficult team for, for Rayados. Uh you know, it just depends on who we end up getting for Liguilla, but I think we do end up getting in. Yeah, I'm hoping if they can just 
use that win against Cholos to catapult themselves into saying, no, we're, we're not messing around now. Like, they, they got a second chance. Normally, when you screw up, cause, because I think against Veracruz, they kind of had control of their own destiny still. And, and this past week, we kind of saw that they needed help. They obviously got the win, and, and they got the help that they needed. And it's just, hopefully, like I said, they, they, they understand that what they got to do. It's just win, and they're in. And that's it. Obviously, if they if they draw or lose, then it gets more complicated. But usually in sports, you rarely get this second opportunity where you can re, uh, get your you know you can control your destiny. So I, I my heart says they're gonna they're gonna win, but my head is like uh, we've been down this road and we've been burned before. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll that they'll get the win. I, I do think they'll get the win. But I, I'm not going. I'm not going 100. percent I'm 80 percent sure they'll get the win. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, uh, I think one last thing before we close out the podcast. Well, on the Rayado side, uh, we saw the the picture that was circulating that everybody was turning their their default picture into this one uh, pick of Chupete Suazo where he's wearing. His cowboy's hat or cowboy hat and and uh, just a pair of sunglasses and then I don't know where it like became this good luck charm, but apparently everybody believes that it's a good luck charm and everybody's turning their profile pic uh, into this uh, picture. And I think he tweeted this out if you should change it. So uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if you know the the origin story of this. No, <laughs> I don't. I just saw it. I just saw it. I just saw it. Yeah, yeah, I just know. I saw it yesterday. Everybody started. No, on Friday. uh, Oh, I saw it. Everybody started. Everybody started changing. Like it it was a slow wave. Like on Friday, people were slow. Like I saw a couple people changing it. It's because I think he uh, uh, uploaded that picture to his Instagram account, and so everybody. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought I thought like he saw the picture everywhere and then he posted it. That's what I thought. I don't know. I th- I think well, I don't know. We'll see what 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 I I just I think I saw de la pandilla toda la vida. They uploaded like he they uploaded like his Instagram story posts on that where it was yeah, that yeah. picture. So that's where I thought maybe he uploaded the picture and then people were like, no, no, no. yeah, that. But it was be- I, I, that's what I think. I don't I don't know, but I think it was somebody because needs he to... saw it on Twitter needs to tell us the origin of that because I'm pretty sure someone started it. But um but yeah, no, it just took over Monterrey Twitter and yeah, everybody now has the the, the picture of the of Swaso in, in that outfit and, and we'll see if that brings us good luck. Uh it brought us good luck this week. So Yeah. I, I mean I are... I changed it I changed it now. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's changing it just because everybody thinks it's good luck. So by the way, uh, Santos beats Cruz Azul, and uh, it's going to be co- official that if we qualify, it will be against Santos for sure. So I think that's going to be our quarterfinal matchup. And, and the, la- the last apertura, if I'm not mistaken, Santos were like the higher seed, and Monterrey beat them. Because if I'm not mistaken, they the the first leg was at the BBVA and then the second leg was at the Estadio Corona I think I think that's what it's called I'm not sure anymore but um yeah the, they they beat them while you know Santos was the higher seed so I I don't think that's 
the matchup maybe they want to have, I think they'll be rooting for somebody else just because as the top seed, you kind of want that e- easy matchup where, where you can get your legs together and start making that run. But if you have to play someone like Monterrey, who if they, if they, if they beat Atlas and they're coming in hot, it'll, it'll be a, a scary situation for them. But, but yeah, that, that's, yeah, we're uh, not, we're not your typical eight seed in this case. Yeah. Like, it was just a weird random season for us. So, yeah, of course we're we're, we're qualifying or we will qualify as an eighteen, but we're we shouldn't be there for sure. Yeah, we don't, and that, that's bad that news for Santos just exactly. because you, you as like I said, as the eight seed, you kind of want the weaker opponent. I'm pretty sure they want to face Cholos just because Cholos right now they just I don't know what they are, but but yeah, Rayados would be a not the ideal choice for them, but. And like I said, they they in last apertura, uh, Santos was the higher seed and and Monterrey beat them. So I don't think they they'll be afraid of them. I, I think that matchup earlier in the season where they gave up like two goals in the first ten minutes that was just that was just an anomaly. I think that that team is not significantly better. Like they're just a tad bit better. They're they're a little bit better defensively. Their offense is seeming to, to start coming alive, so we'll see what what happens there, if if they face each other over two legs. But but yeah, like anything else you want to add on the on the men's side before we transition to Rayadas and before we close out this first segment? Uh, no, uh, that's about it. All right, so Rayadas they they also faced Cholo, so both the men's and the women's squad were in Tijuana this past week, and like like. Like the men's squad, Rayadas, they they took care of business against Cholos Femenil, and they beat them three nothing, courtesy of a goal from uh, Desiree Monsevay. Uh, I think it's Andrea Hernandez, and then Daniela Solis got the third one. And this team is just rolling they, their season. Uh, well, their league starts after after Monday. Uh, they get. Uh, I think they play. Atlas, if I'm not mistaken, too, at the BBVA to close out the season. And then they're probably going to face either Chivas, Toluca, or Cholos. I don't think one one of those three teams that they're battling for that final eight spot. Or or I don't think they're battling for, like, getting into Liga. It's more like seeding who finishes where. So they'll they'll likely face one of those three teams uh, in the Liga. And... Yeah, they made some history uh, in their three nothing win against Cholos. They become the first first squad ever, like not just women. It includes the men's to to rack up 40, 45 points in a season. The the last time any any squad had forty plus points or more more than I, yeah, I'm not sure if more than forty points, but had like that high amount was was the America team in two thousand two when they had forty three points. And and now Bradas have surpassed that. They they could finish the season with forty eight points with the win today, if you're hearing this on Monday. So yeah, they're just rolling along and they'll we'll see what the season holds going forward because they'll probably have us I think they they should have easy work in that first opening round match and then it gets interesting in the semifinals to see who they draw. And then obviously if Tigres gets through what they need to get through, they'll they'll meet them in the final once again. So uh anything you want to add on the on the Rayadas front? 
Not really more than just like a that's a huge feat, you know, most points. Most that's crazy numbers. Uh but they've been doing it in the regular season. This doesn't really surprise me that much just because of the level they've shown. But that's a crazy record if if you know if they make yeah. it there. Yeah, and I think uh the 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 Twitter well everybody on Twitter started this hashtag right I think is it uh Rayadas para la Copa, if I'm not mistaken. Rayadas por la Copa. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you're going to see that hashtag as the Liga starts, well, uh, as the season winds down tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this. And then, obviously, when the Liga starts, uh, I, I don't think they have the dates and times set up, so but we'll see when it starts. But obviously, if if you haven't watched Rayadas, definitely give them a watch just because they are a talented, talented squad. And like we've like we've been saying all season long, hopefully this is the season where they could they can get that monkey off their back and, and, and get that trophy that they've been wanting for the last couple of seasons. So um also shout out to uh Ania Mejia's mom who started following us on Twitter. So that was uh uh, when I was pretty, yeah. yeah, it was surprising. Uh, we're, we're saying really nice things about your daughter. There's nothing mean <laughs> on the most part, but but yeah, I mean it, it's cool when when you get those type of follows just because people will recognize you as a good source for any Rayados and Rayados content. So thanks for the follow. But yeah, I think that wraps it up. If um, if I'm not mistaken, Pat, is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, um, just uh, anxious not only to see Rayadas tomorrow or when people read uh, hear this, it's tonight uh, to see you know how they look prior to the league. Yeah, and also yeah, waiting for that Atlas match. So it sucks that we have to wait a week more because of the FIFA break. But just anxious, anxious, anxious to confirm that we're in La Liguilla. And then for, from the, from there, you know, try to enjoy what we can from Liguilla. Because it's going to, it looks like it's going to be complicated. And then, you know, it's it's it's, it's good times. It could be good times for us. Uh, one more thing I want to add. Shout out to, uh, what is it? Ali Avila. Uh, the, I think it's yeah, uh, under Ali 17. Avila. Under seventeen, Rayados. Uh, I don't want to say prospect, but youngster, who scored at the under seventeen World Cup for Mexico against Korea, uh, and then you had a nice tweet that said uh, "De Rayados para el mundo." So shout out to yeah. to him coming up big for Mexico. So I think yeah, I think that, that that's gonna I wrap thought, up or anything I else. You, I th- yeah, I thought you were gonna say shout out to all my rompistas, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's not fun stuff. But um, yeah, but yeah, no. Shout shout out to to him. It's just it's it's nice when when Rayados get that international recognition, unlike another team who didn't get their recognition. The Adidas commercial. <laughs> uh, that was funny to watch. But uh, but yeah, for 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 Pat, uh, I think uh, do you want to add what you're doing on the side, Pat, so people can understand what you're doing. Yeah, we have a show called El Rey del Monte, El Sobrino del Santo. It's been a fun two weeks. Tomorrow, uh, we're, we're, or when people are listening, it's tonight. We start our third week uh, with the show. It's been fun. It's been a, a cool little experience. Uh, talking about Rayados, there's also 
I, I don't want to say much just because um, you know I don't want to jinx it. I'm like that. Uh, but there's a, there, I'm trying to do something uh, for Rayados here in here in Miami, and uh, or in South Florida really. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to. There's things that I still need to do, so I don't want to talk much. But when I do get more more information, uh, I'll definitely tell it here. It's a cool, uh, you know, something cool to help grow grow the team in in this part of of the world. Yeah. Yeah, they got to uh, start growing that. Like we, we've been saying, they got to grow their brand internationally, or at least in different parts of the U.S. I know they have the, they have that uh, that match against America on Saturday. I think it's on Saturday uh, against, um, yeah, against America in Houston. And so that's nice and all, but they got to start branding branching out to other parts of the U.S. and. And just like 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 I said, they gotta start winning over some new fans and winning casual fans of other clubs just by the way they play and 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 the players that they have on their squad. I'm pretty sure. Uh, just, just to get back to that Vincent Janssen tweet, uh, it, it took off and and I I had some Spurs fans started following our account. So if people say why do we need an English account for Rayados content, well. You know, there's Spurs fans that only speak English, and 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 yeah, it's just grow. You you just don't want to have one area of fans. You want to re- be able to reach multiple fans in different countries and different languages. So yeah, that's that's something good that you're doing, and and hopefully that takes off. And as people know, we're doing our thing here. So yeah, we're just trying to help the the club grow internationally. Just because, you know, when you win CONCACAF Champions League, when you win international tournaments, your goal or your motto should be trying to grow the club's presence internationally. But but yeah, with just just follow our account. It, it grew a little bit just because of that Janssen gif. If, if you have friends that don't follow Liga Mekis or want to follow the Liga Mekis, definitely recommend our Twitter account and definitely recommend them becoming Monterrey fans. So, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what Nopas has to say in his segment. And then in our third segment, I'll be having a, a guest to talk about the Cholos matchup, Jonathan Gonzalez's future and present, and see what happens with him. We're... we're, we're, we're because because he he talked to him, so we'll see what you know he got out of his conversation there, and then we'll probably just talk about again Monterrey as an international brand and see what they can do to grow their presence in the United States. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully you enjoy that too. So for Patrick, I'm Eddie. We'll we'll chat uh, next week. Hi guys, hi, welcome to the Rumpa segment of our podcast, Rayados 90 podcast. Uh, this time around, it's on a happier note than what we've been doing lately. Um, Rayados won for nothing against Cholos. Um, Cholos was the, the at home, so 
we as visitors we haven't had those type of results at least in this tournament for sure with Alonso coaching the, the team um, now with Mohamed um, we 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 got back to that path of, of winning away right uh, so it's it's a much happier uh, podcast because obviously of the because of the W but also because this is one of the results that we needed in order for us to have at least hope of qualifying to the to the Liguilla. Um, right now, uh, Rayados is uh, on the eighth place, um, and given that this podcast is being recorded as usual on a Sunday night, so we all we already know all the results um, that w were um, that that are actually um, in the middle of of the Rayados' chances. Qualifying and uh, well, Pachuca uh, had a draw against Tigres uh, in San Nicolas, which is good. I'm not gonna say that I was rooting for Tigres because I wasn't, but I did hope that they were gonna win. But the 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 way they are playing right now in the last at least the last four games. They don't have the, the the means to to win, basically, right? Pachuca came and did a, a great a great game, but thankfully they missed their chances. So that was one, and the other one was on Sunday, uh, in the in the middle of the day, 12 p.m. Uh, Pumas against Juarez, which was the one that uh, we all thought that it was gonna be a a problem because it's Juarez, right? Even though they won against Rayados um, back in the middle of the tournament, but Pumas at home, mm, on paper it looked a uh, easy W. So the stars aligned. Um, even the planets aligned in this matter because uh, Juarez got away with with the draw, helping Rayados. To get to that next phase, right? So, it that that was a, a cardiac uh, uh, game, Pumas, because they did have like aside of the penalty kick that they missed, Malcorra, um, they 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 had like at least four chances missed, uh, hitting the post, uh, <laughs> um. With crosses, with with shots, uh, Vasquez Meao did a great, great game. The goalkeeper for from well for uh, Juarez, and uh, well that happened too. So those two results were directly um, they they did had to happen that way for us to have chances, right? So the good thing is that. Right now, again, it's only up to us. It's only up to Rayados. Um, we just have to win against Atlas on November the 23rd. It's going to be a, a FIFA break um, this, this next week. So there's not going to be any games. 
at least for locally uh, for Liga MX. So we're gonna be back on the twenty third. It's gonna be a really hectic day because that's the day that River Plate also plays Flamengo for the final of La Libertadores. So it's gonna be a good day. I hope for for uh, the the fans of of both teams, uh, River and and Rayados. Rayados, what what do we need? Just the W. Even with a draw, we might get into the Liguilla, but just to be sure, it, it has to be a win. Um, I'm not gonna think ahead that who might be the 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 rival on the on the first phase on on the quarter of finals, but it looks like it could be Santos, which is good. They are playing good, but we are now on a uprise for a good way of playing soccer. Um, Pizarro, my God, Pizarro is on another level. Funes Mori finally found himself after well six games with no goals. Then he he did score against Veracruz, and now with a double against Tijuana away, which is great. Um, the thing that I want to point out is that, uh, not to criticize too much, but I don't know if you guys noticed that once Pavon was, uh, sub substituted, um, it, Maxi kind of had a good game. He didn't show himself as much, but the, the... The 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 substitution gave Pizarro much more uh, freedom to move in uh, on, throughout the entire attack uh, for us. So he was on the right, on the left, behind Funes Mori. Whatever he wanted to be, he was there. And he was creating chances. Um, Gallardo finally played good. Even Banjoni, which a lot of people know that... I'm not a big fan of. Even Banjoni played good. Uh, Barovero again. We were one nothing, and Cholos had a chance that could be bigger because Barovero didn't hold on to the ball. He, as usual, he he did a rebound. Uh, so that was the only thing that I was like, my God. But. Um, like you, I don't know what he, what he does throughout the week to show that he's the one to be uh, picked for the starting eleven. Because <clears throat> I don't, I don't know what what uh, Diego Alonso saw in him, and I don't know at the moment what Mohamed sees in him. Because I can understand Mohamed because Layun was a big part of his success back in America, but. He hasn't been, not even on his level, he hasn't been good at all. So, I don't know why the the stubbornness to keep him on the field. Because once he got out, the, the team basically scored three more goals. And had at least another two chances. So, I don't know if it's better to have Layun benched. At least against Atlas. So he can 
think uh, he can. He knows that he's not uh, um, somebody that we he, he, always going to be on the field, right? So that was um, a, a quick sum up. But the main thing here is that um, I don't want to be too picky, so to speak. But we shouldn't be. Praying to whoever you might pray in order for Rayals to qualify in eighth place. Um, I know that a lot of people are with the rush of the W, but we have to be honest. We have to be. We have to crit critique whether it's a W, a draw, or a, or a loss. We have to do it. We have to dissect what it is that we're doing wrong. So we can uh, correct that, right? So it, it is it is um something to point out that uh, the most expensive team on on La Liga MX is is having a hard time to qualify. At the moment, the results tells me that uh, the change in the coaching position should have been earlier. Um, if Mohamed was already the option and he was already free, you could have changed that uh, Alonso for Mohamed. You, that change you could have done it at least after losing against Tigres. Um, it could be. It, it, it would have been different maybe. Um, I, I, we certainly don't know but by the looks of things Mohamed on the first in the first game against Chivas well it was supposed to to be the the, the worst one because he was just like three days four days um in charge so it was supposed to be like that and it was a good result at the end because he didn't lose it was a draw right Then the the next game that um that we were supposed to win was against Veracruz and by I don't know why we couldn't score at all and we didn't even have mo much chances but at the 94 minute we found that goal and uh, it was more for More because of Jansen uh, decisions, because the the actual call was from Funes Mori, but it was just a, a rebound that 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 Jansen was supposed to get to the net. Um, so that was that, and this W speaks volumes for Mohamed and his voice, because it it shows that if they want this is the major reason why we critique Monterey at all at all times because it seems like when they want they can do this they can erase any team on La Liga MX the problem is that they don't seem to want that um the the majority of time right so we are we are 
struggling against Juarez, against San Luis, against Veracruz. Teams that, uh, that are uh, on a really low budget level. And uh, now against Cholos, which it was a great result. Great, because we didn't play that good. But the red card for the... I don't remember the name of the of the guy of the the defender from Cholos who got expelled I, I I don't remember the name but that if it will happen with Alonso we might have have decided to to defend that goal and I think that is because it was Mohamed who told them in on the on halftime like you know what guys we have to secure this w we have to go for it if they have one chance or two chances they might score so i think that mohammed based that on the last at least four games that i can remember that we had a great lead and then the the unthinkable happened with Alonso, so based on that, Mohamed gave that instruction. I'm just assuming. I don't know for sure, but that seems to be the case because they went out for the second half, and everybody was trying to get that get that second goal. So he showed, and the best part was that uh, once they got in the second goal. They didn't stop. They they basically kept on going. Even when we were for nothing, even then, um, Jansen had another chance that if it was the, if the pass would have been a bit shorter, he could have controlled that with the left foot and and had the definition uh, to the net. But the pass was a bit uh, away, so he had to run for it. Uh, and and he tried to try to score, sneak it in with the with the right foot, which is not his best foot. So you can understand that, right? Um, but it was that was uh, part of the of the things that I noticed that were different of what we were used to uh, seeing. That Rayaus got the lead, but then. It was so hard for the team to keep that W. That was the, the the situation with most of the games this season. I don't know if there's a lot of teams that qualifies to La Liguilla with seven losses on one tournament. I don't recall one at the moment. So... It could be one of those things that um it gives you that um that extra for you when you go to the liguilla because nobody expects nothing from you because because they they were supposed to be watching a team that already supposed to be eliminated eliminated but. It, it, it seems to be that's not going to be the case. I'm not going to rush, say that we are there, but the chances are big. And uh, the only difference right now is 
that, that kind of gives me more hope is that it's not Alonso, it's Mohamed. So in 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 the normal tournament, Mohamed used to uh, he's used to winning those type of games aside of la liguilla. Um, because in la liguilla, well, the finals, obviously. Oh. Atlas is a good team, but it's a beatable team. Funes Mori, um, I think. Atlas is the, the team that Funes Mori has scored against the most. Um, it's going to be, I hope, it's going to be a, a result as good as the Cholos one. It could give you that, that boost to enter La Liguilla uh, with a different mindset. Um, you could use, you're going to face... Uh, the first place which apparently is going to be Santos so it's going to be a different Liga because the last two times that Mohamed um, went to the final with Rayados he was on the first place he was like running over every team on La Liga so this time around is different you're going to be on the eighth place you're going to be closing uh, on there turf um you can you're gonna be uh, a home at home on the first leg so it, it could work out uh, hopefully i don't know how far we're gonna get but just to be on a year because of how the tournament was presenting itself i think it's a, a good accomplishment but remember that if we enter to la liguilla championship is a must it's there's no other situation um that we can accept because of the team that we have so i want to point out the rompista of the week obviously is gonna be rodolfo pizarro uh la pelota siempre el 20 which means every time the ball has to go to the 20 the number of, on his back so Pizarro did great he was commanding the entire offense he was deciding when to hold on when to go for it he was on another level every pass that he did was creating chances every decision that he made he, he was on that level that Makes you think that when Pizarro is connected on that level, Rayados is ten times, ten times more dangerous. So hopefully he he has that spark against Atlas, so we can win that game and then go on to the the liguilla. So that's that's pretty much uh, the 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 segment, the things that I wanted to say. Um, Big shout out to to Eddie and Pat. Big shout out to the guests that we have. Um, Shouts out to all my rompistas. We have just reached 7.8k on on Twitter. Follow me at Rompus is back. Follow at Real90. The content is great. Always remember to leave a rate, a comment. We read everything. Um, Thank you for listening. 
uh, throughout the entire world because apparently that's what's happening <laughs> and thank you for for sharing this this passion that, that we have for for our club uh, Reals del Monterrey so thank you everybody have a great week and we will be talking later segment of the pod we have someone who we've kind of wanted to have in a while but I, i was waiting for you know the cholos and Rayados matchup to come up on the schedule so i can throw an invite if you don't know his work you should especially if uh you know i read his work uh, uh but cesar hernandez of espn fc the athletic uh i know there's other avenues that you're, you're writing in but i know that's where i read your stuff but You know, I appreciate you coming on our podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Now, on. And sorry that I was a, such a diva. And I was like, yeah, no, the only time that works for me is 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. <laughs> well, and then it still works for you. Yeah. yeah, well, I live in L.A. My other co-host, he couldn't make it because he lives in Miami. So that's yeah, 1 a.m. out there. But when you said 10 p.m. Pacific time, I, I could. Uh, yeah, no, it's no problem for me. Uh, I'm in L.A. We're both in Southern California. So. It works for me, but as far as my co-host Patrick, he yeah, he couldn't make it because it was it would be a late one for him. But you know, I I, I once you once you give me a time, I'll I'll commit to it. But first, before we get into what we're going to talk about, it's a lot of cholos, Monterrey stuff. Just to get your opinions on that, uh, the reason I started this pod is because I think uh, around January, around this time last year, or, or just or I'm not sure if around this time last year or, or it was early this year. I remember. Uh, I think, yeah, it was at the end of the 2018 Apertura when you, I think, I'm not sure if you quote tweeted Tom Marshall or he quote tweeted you, but you were like, as the league and teams don't really put out English content uh, for U.S. fans, uh, both Mexican-American and, and just others, because, you know, I'm not leaving this league just for Mexicans. It, all backgrounds are always welcome to support whatever club they, they want, but... You, you tweeted out that if you're passionate about a club and, and you want to create content, whether it be a Twitter account or a podcast or a blog, that that you should do it. And I think that was like the extra push that I, I, I guess I just was like, okay, I'm I'm going to start a podcast and, and a Twitter account and see where it goes. And it kind of, especially the Twitter account, it kind of took on a life of its own. So I just want to say just thanks for that extra push that I remember seeing that tweet and That was just that, that final, okay, let, let me start it because I was always thinking about it. Uh, and then I just, yeah, I, I just started it and, and now I'm here. <laughs> of course, man. No, well, thank, thank you for doing it. Because guess what? These League of Mikey's teams are slacking, you know? Oh, are they, you? Yeah, they really are. And guess what? It's like, it's, it's really, really disappointing. I know we, I mean, we're opening up, opening up a can of worms here. But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I wrote an article a while back about how uh, Club America how so so i got like some insider knowledge they and then i found out that club america was going to open up an office in new york and so new york city and there's be this big push for english language content they hired this fantastic guy who used to work for the philadelphia union and this at the same time that like santos were doing great stuff Schultz were doing great stuff and i wrote this article being like all right 
maybe this is finally the point. Now that America, you know, this 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 grande team, this mm-hmm. huge League of Mechas team is doing it, this is when League of Mechas teams are going to be doing it. So fast forward now to late nine, uh, late 2019, uh, America, basically that account they've really done nothing with it recently. That one guy who they who they had has moved on to greener pastures, and uh, yeah. they aren't doing much. Cholos. Uh, they're definitely stepping back with their English language content, unfortunately. Uh, so Santos, they are they are doing good stuff. Uh, that's thanks to Kim Tate, who's now doing great stuff with that. Less so, realistically speaking, in the near future, like unless like you really have to keep your fingers crossed that your favorite League of Mechies team, if they're not already doing English language content, like you're gonna have to hope that either find someone who's doing like a fan who's doing English language podcast or or a Twitter account, or you're gonna have to do it yourself because it's just. It's an issue that, and, I, and I've talked to like sports business people who've mm-hmm. told me that there's this idea, this conception in Mexico that they're like, well, whatever works down here is going to work up there yeah. for, for when, it, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to social media, when it comes to attention. So, and that's not true, you know? <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, we're still going to buy those jerseys. Yeah, we're still going to watch the games, but there's still so much more potential they could do. So I thank you and, and everybody else in the hashtag League of Mechas ENG community for basically, I don't know, creating all all these podcasts, creating all these Twitter accounts, because if it wasn't for us, I, 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 I don't know, there just wouldn't be nearly as much out, you know outreach towards Mexican-American fans and also just you know English-speaking fans all across the world in yeah. the United States. Yeah, because the uh, again, I don't want to get too ahead of what I want to talk about, just because it's going to be more Rilo-centric. But I know ever since I started creating gifs or, or little short videos of, of of you know whatever happens in the match for for Monterrey, that's that's been a thing that people have liked. Especially that's why how my that's how my account blew up. Like I I see some other accounts that have been doing this longer than than I have. Like. Yeah. Uh, there have been two, three years, and they're barely crossing a thousand followers. And here I come thinking, you know, I, I, it's just it, it all started with just being always geo blocked from from certain goals or videos, etc. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna use whatever social media knowledge that I know. And just because I, I got tired of being geo blocked, I, I just started gifting every goal, every save, etc. Because I don't see any of the the Spanish, even the Spanish social media teams doing any of that stuff, they'll just put on the the video goal highlight, and that's it. Yeah, like right. they won't they won't do a good dribble, they won't do a good save, they won't do anything quirky or funny that happens in the match or, or anything serious. So I thought, you know what, I'll just use this avenue because nobody's doing it. Good. And yeah. and, and that I, I blew up for the most part. Like I have, um, you know, Spanish-speaking Mexicans, obviously in Mexico, and then the yeah. the English-speaking Mexicans, and then there's just because of uh, of the Jansen transfer, I have people who are either Spurs fans who want to keep tabs on him in the U.S. or people, you know, in the U.K. that are Spurs fans that are keeping you know tabs on him. So, yeah, that's I I just realized that there is some type of potential, but uh, it's up it's up to the clubs to see some type of value in it, and I think so far they're just they're just not. Yeah, you just have to keep your fingers crossed that eventually they're going to take that risk. But at the same time, it's like, it's like, I'm not going to say I get it because here's the thing that like 
when you look at TV ratings, like most of the time, Liga MX dominates. Yeah. When you look at those, when they when they come out to those friendlies out here in the United States, you know they definitely have huge attendances. When they, I bet they they sell a significant amount of jerseys. Well, maybe knockoff jerseys. I don't know. Maybe jerseys is a different conversation. But yeah. like, but they still do well. So I get it. Maybe in their mind, they're like, well, why should we change anything? Why should we hire someone and pay them American dollars if it means that you know if, if we're already doing well? But the issue is just I, my mind is just like, well, if you want to think long term and if you really want to connect with those Mexican-American fans, they got to make that investment. But I just mm-hmm. don't see teams doing and, that. You know? And, and yeah. that's the thing. I, I was talking with my co-host, Pat, just uh, it was a few podcasts ago where we were talking about just growing the brand of Monterrey. I know a lot of these clubs aren't known internationally wise like you would a Boca Juniors or a River Plate or a Flamengo. And it's just that. You know, they, they had to do stuff like getting into like English content. I mean, you see the other European clubs do it. They'll have multiple languages. And it's just, I don't know, like when, when, when there's talk of a European going to like Mexico or whatever, there's, there's always this like, why would you go there? Just because they're so, yeah. they're so much unfamiliar, you know, they're not familiar with the league. And, and you know, when um, Daniel De Rossi went to Boca Juniors, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I could see that. I mean, yeah. the guy loves Boca Juniors, and, and it was just widely accepted. Uh, it was a, you know, it was a weird uh, move, but it was still like people were familiar with Boca Juniors, and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. But when Jansen came, everybody was like, why would he go there? Like he's in the middle <laughs> of his prime, you know, he's 25 years old. Why would he go there? And it's just, it's just kind of makes me think like, you know, if the league decided to take an interest, and in, you know, it's just not the U.S. Why not just grow your brand in, in Europe at least a little bit and and see what's out there? You don't have to. I mean, just put. A minimum amount of money into it create a small budget for it and see if it grows because i'm like i'm testament that <laughs> you know if you actually put some type of effort into it it can grow because you know i saw like i said i i've see i've had followers from from the uk and the us that just want to keep tabs on a certain player and see how he's doing but but yeah we'll, we'll get into it a little bit deep more more monterrey centric but the reason i brought you on to this pod is because cholos were or monterrey was in tijuana playing against cholos and you're in attendance and i just want to get your overall thoughts on the match before we get a little bit more deeper into what happened and and just the ligia consequences of it well, I mean, only one team was playing that night, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a, it was a, so leading up to this match, it was a pretty big one for for Tijuana because uh, so they had just lost recently. Uh, was it, it was a three nothing away uh, loss uh, to Juarez. Uh, I think some fans were expecting at least a draw right there, and I think Tijuana fans were expecting, all right, if if Tijuana can get a draw right there, that move them one step closer to the playoffs. They lost three nothing, so. Back at home, Cholos fans were thinking like, all right, here's a big opportunity against Rayados. You know, even though Rayados, you typically think of Monterrey, you think of them as one of the more talented sides in Liga Mekis. But because of the issues that that Monterrey has had recently, I think a lot of fans were thinking, okay, because this game is still in Tijuana and because teams traditionally, you know, struggle uh, at the Estado Caliente for, for numerous reasons, you know, I think a lot of fans were expecting a win right here. And of course, leading up to the hype of this game uh, was the fact that Schultz made some sort of, it, it was almost, it was very sudden. Um, they made a partnership with, it was like Disney, like yeah. Latin America. And they were just like, hey, we're having Star Wars jerseys, guys. It was like out of the blue. And yeah. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like something from like Gloob the Cuervos. Yeah. You know, it was like out of nowhere. There was like, it was like Friday, like afternoon. And then they're like, they're like, 
had some players like like you know this presentation with like Star Wars stuff. There's stormtroopers. If you guys didn't actually see the game, I mean the activation and like event like with Disney went to such an extent that they, as opposed to having the League of Mickey's theme when they get uh, when their players are walking out, they yeah. actually played the Star Wars theme as like stormtroopers were walking out with them. <laughs> so. Did you expect something like this, or because no. it was kind of odd that out of all the clubs, it was it was Tijuana that they decided to strike this partnership. Yeah, I have honestly, I have no idea why. Like usually, <laughs> there's like whispers, there's like rumors about these things, and like I follow some people who are like based like in Tijuana, you know, who like follow the team a little mm-hmm. bit more than I do, and usually they'll like they'll like tweet out whispers and whatnot, but it was just out of the blue, and it was like it kind of felt like Disneyland too. Like wandering around, there's like yeah. stormtroopers, there's like cardboard cutouts. Anyway, so there was like leading up to this big, big event. And yeah, there's like, and of course, there's like plenty of eyes on this just because of how bizarre like the, the, the evening was turning out to be. And then in the 21st minute, uh, Jordan Silva, uh, she, Tijuana's Jordan Silva gets a red card and then things just go downhill for Cholos after that. Uh, Nico Sanchez. Did you uh, think it was a red card? I just wanted to get your opinion on that because. <sighs> I mean, uh, it's. I, th- I think I think considering the situation, I was not surprised because it was like, you know, it was like almost like a per- professional foul, but it was in the box and it was it was denying a goal scoring opportunity for Funes Mori. I don't know. I, I guess it could have gone either way, but I don't know. I mean, even here's here's the thing, though, is that even even though Sholos went down to 10 players, I was still pretty astonished at how badly they played after that. And Pareja, uh, Oscar Pareja, the Sholos manager, you know, talked about how that really impacted the game and how that really, like, you know, you know, made things difficult for him, which I understand. But it almost felt as if, like, Cholos were utterly confused as to how to approach the game, as if they had never gone down to 10 players, as if Marek mm-hmm. had never gone down to 10 players. Because, honestly, I, I thought I, I thought Realos were the much better side, especially in the second half. Like, in the second half, that was all that was all Realos right there. So, I mean, whether that was a red or not, I mean, I'm not... Uh, I, I'm not going to argue against it because it was, but, but geez, it was, it was such a, it was such an ugly night for Tijuana. Yeah. And, and to be honest, Dryalos were coming limping in because even yeah. with the managerial change, they've kind of coughed up or, or just let some, you know, they, like, for example, the, the Chivas game, they should have easily, you know, that, that when, when Pat and I were talking that we chalked it up as that was a win because, yeah. uh, you know, you know, Chivas situation right now. And then against Veracruz, they barely escaped yeah. with a draw, and and they were just coming in limping. Like when I was doing the podcast after that match, I thought it's over because the the you you had arguably the the worst Mexican team of all time in your in your house in your stadium, and you know that they needed you know they needed a win because then they can just control their own destiny. They don't have to rely on anyone, and they drew. And so I was going into that match against Cholos pessimistic because I knew Cholos also needed that win to try and control their de- own destiny because they were already in the Liga spot. But you know, all they had to do is just win out and or or get some, get a favorable draw in in the last match and, and they'll probably see themselves through. But I, I don't know where this Monterrey came from <laughs> because it helps that they went you know uh, Cholos went down to ten men, but still they this is it's been a while since we've seen them have this type of performance where they pretty much flex their their offensive muscle against uh, an opponent we haven't seen that all season they they haven't been convincing in, in some of their wins either so it was a it was nice to see and and now 
pretty much Monterrey's in the driver's seat. All they got to do is win against Atlas, and they're in. So I, I, I think this, uh, just from a Cholo's angle, do you think Tijuana can bounce back, or, or is that all she wrote for, for this uh, tournament for, for Cholo's? I mean, if we're looking at, if you believe 538, and I would understand why some of you don't believe 538 after something that happened in 2016, but uh, right now when you're looking at playoff probabilities, um, they're giving Rayados with a 75% chance to go through the playoffs. And right now they're giving Tijuana a 10% chance. And I'm going to say that feels about right, to be perfectly honest. Because Tijuana, it's not only just getting a win against Leon uh, this upcoming week. I guess whenever this podcast uh, comes out. I guess it's Sunday. It's coming out tomorrow. Yes, it's it's not going to be Monday. Yeah, (laughs) so this week. so, So Tijuana, they not only need a win against Leon, but they also need Atlas to get either a draw or a win against Rayados. And that seems pretty unlikely to me. And yeah, Sholos could actually get through with a draw, but they'll basically need like the planets to align. They need like five different scenarios to, yeah. uh, to happen. So I think realistically speaking, I think it, it looks like I wouldn't be surprised if Sholos get a draw against Leon. But then I think after that, I think, I think, realistically speaking i'm assuming that rayalos are going to get a win against atlas and they're just not going to qualify i I think it's as simple as that i mean for us the planets have a line because like i said against uh veracruz it was a winnable situation and and after that they can control their destiny but they didn't win they drew and for some reason pachuca drew uh you had cholos lose you had um uh, who who else it was, was a game this, it was a game this morning right that happened yeah that, that uh, helped, Juarez uh, Pumas yeah there you go Juarez right, right. and Pumas drew so it's like uh, I, I'm not sure maybe some I, I know we're doing some so, some voodoo here we're, we have a, <laughs> we have a, a, a if you're not familiar with Monterrey Twitter we there's a lot of people thinking that this is this image of Chupete Suazo in a, <laughs> just a cowboy hat and some sunglasses uh, and everybody's thinking maybe that's the good luck charm because they uploaded that people started changing their profile pics to that and <laughs> everything's gone right ever since like things that needed to happen for Monterrey to regain uh control of their destiny have happened and 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 they're playing well and 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 we're just hoping that maybe that brings some luck and and you know we're we're doing all we can to just uh just try to see this team into the into the guia because uh this isn't your ordinary eight seed this is a team that's way underperformed and we're starting to see some some signs of life from players like Pizarro Funes Mori is he has uh Jansen breathing down his neck in terms of competition and just this, the defense has played a little bit better, but people in Monterrey still just don't like Miguel Layun for his play. Uh, Gallardo can be hit or miss, so this team is still vulnerable, but they're starting to play up to their to their potential now that Mohamed it has has had a, a few more games with them, and, and he's starting to play his style. But um, just talking about Cholo's long term. Uh, like I was saying, their 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 league title is becoming more and more of a distant memory for for some. What do you think that this team or this this club needs to do to get back to being you know in talks of a league title you know for the next couple of years? Well, well, here's the thing. That's that's something that actually a lot of Sholos fans like asked me on, and then I remind them. I was like, guys, I've I've only been following them pretty closely <laughs> week in week out since like 2016. So that's just a quick reminder. But the more I watch this team, the more I learn about this team. One thing that really, really stands out in my mind is the fact that they've never had a manager that has lasted a full two years. I know that's a big, big ask 
for a lot of Liga Mackey's teams. I know that's not something you traditionally see. I know if we're to look at the average uh, length that a Liga Mackey's manager has with Liga Mackey's team, it's what, like an hour, two hours? That's how long they last, and then they give <laughs> But uh, I think that Scholes have yet to have, yeah, like I said, someone who is who has lasted up to two years, and I think that someone like Oscar Pareja, I do hope that he sticks around for longer because... I think he's the kind of guy that can bring a long-term plan for Tijuana. I think that he he was able to develop like a pretty impressive academy over at FC Dallas, and I think Scholes could still uh, do some significant improvements with their own academy. Uh, and as we've seen in recent years, um, it's not it's not like Scholes are exactly one of the best sides when it comes to providing opportunities for youngsters either. So I think what Scholes need is someone, and I'm not saying it has to be Pareja. I'm saying that they should stick with Pareja because I like. I, I like what he could potentially do with the youth academy, and I like what he did with FC Dallas. But if he was fired, and whoever they bring in next, I hope that they bring in someone who they do want to stick with for for the long term. Because as I've mentioned, they've yet to stick with someone for two full years. You know, it looked like Bioko could have potentially been someone who would have been fantastic for 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 Scholes for the long term. But obviously, it uh, Bioko had you know bigger fish to yeah. fry. You know, like Bioko had bigger plans, and he he was he's he was open about that. So I think since then, uh, Scholes have really been trying to find someone, and they've been I don't know just like so many other league Mikey's teams, they just don't hold on to anyone long enough. And I and I think that's 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 the big issue here. And so I I, I think that they just need. Like I said, whether, whether it be Pareja, whether it be someone else, someone with a long-term plan here who can also... I mean, because here's here's the thing with Tijuana, too. Because of their proximity to the border, there's a lot of talent that they could utilize from Southern California. You know, they they have a huge opportunity to be bringing in more, like, young Mexican-American players. And they used to be able to do that a little bit, like, more often, you know? You saw mm-hmm. players like Joe Corona. Like, you saw players like Paul Ariola. You know, you saw... I mean, it's just... there. There's a long, long list of Mexican-American talent that they used to have. And you don't really see that anymore. So I think that uh, until then, I I, I, I imagine Scholes will forever be, because they tend to make some decent signings. They tend to, it seems like uh, there's one agent, I forget his name, it's like Bragnarik or something like that. But he always brings in a lot of talent, like good talent over from like Racing Club and like Defensa mm-hmm. y Justicia over from like South America. So he, he tends to bring in like, pretty pretty cheap talent they tend to do pretty well in Cholo. so i think until they they really stick with the long-term plan they're just forever going to be one of those teams that finish between like sixth to 12th place just like you know like yeah every season because that, that, that that's that, that's what i see see for them why do you think they have a hard time just integrating young talent because i know every time i see like that minutes requirement they're always at the bottom struggling last minute trying to put in as much youngsters to meet that requirement and i know monterey for me they're the example just because they can find that balance between having high price talent and then mixing in a cesar montes a charlie rodriguez a jonathan gonzalez and now you have johan vasquez who's starting to see see a lot of time with the first squad and what do you think is the issue with, with cholos I mean, I do think that, like, they do have the occasional academy products that come through and actually, you know, go through to the youth national team. I do think that, like, we've seen players, like, I want to say, like, Luis Chavez, who uh, I think is a, is a pretty good talent, who's now gone over to Pachuca. But I just think that they're just not, not being given enough opportunities, which is why I was excited by someone like Pareja, because I thought that Pareja 
would have been able to give them a little bit more chances. Maybe I was being naive. Maybe I was reading a little too much into the opportunities that he was giving to, uh, to talent at FC Dallas. But I think nonetheless, it's just it's just not giving them enough chances. And I think they still need to work on developing and improving that academy. Because I, I, I think the I think for certain teams like the Juana, because like, here's the thing. It's like, unless if you're spending money like Rayados, unless if you're spending money like Tigres, you know, I think the best alternative to finding su- success in Liga Mekis is to invest uh, in your youth academy, you know, because that way, I mean, look, let's let's look at someone like Santos. They've really, really improved their their youth academy, you know, and I, I, there's a lot of young, like exciting talent that comes out of there that has been able to not only be sold over to bigger Liga Mekis teams, but has been able to be crucial players uh, in that squad. Uh, I'm going to bring up Pachuca. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think I think Pachuca has been very exciting. Obviously, they're not in the playoff picture just yet, but I think that they are definitely a team that you would consider that if you feel like Pachuca should always be in the playoffs. They're not going to be a title contender, but they could potentially sneak in and be a finalist every now and then. And I think a lot of that is because of the investment they made in their academy. Or I think another strategy you can do, maybe Scholz are trying to be a little bit more of an Agaxa. Maybe that's what they're trying to be, which is, all right, find the right talent and then selling them selling them and making a profit, but also just being able to scout, like scouting the right exact players that can bring some unexpected success. I don't think Sholos maybe scout nearly as well as Nick Goxa. So I think what they should be doing is just doing a little bit more of a hybrid between what Nick Goxa are doing, what Santos are doing, and really improve their academy. So uh, I guess long story short, <laughs> I just think they really, really need to improve their academy. Yeah, and... And just transitioning over to, to since we're already talking about young talent, I know um, you've written something or a piece on, on Jonathan Gonzalez. Uh, where do you think his form is at? Because he burst in, onto the seed in 2017. Obviously, the whole who, who would he play with, the USA or, or, or Mexico, and, and he ended up making his choice. He's playing internationally for Mexico. But where would you describe his form is right now? Because under Diego Alonso, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. And now that I, I know some people who are just fans of the national team thought that under Mohamed, he would, he'd have a, a resurgence just because that was the coach that gave him that opportunity to see first team minutes. And still, he hasn't really, you know, league matches, he hasn't really gotten the, the opportunities. He does play, he did play a, a couple of the Copa MX um, matches, but overall, he's still. Uh, not a forgotten thought, but he's still riding the bench. So where, where, where would you, how would you describe his form? I mean, I think it's not that surprising. I think when you consider the fact that he's had injury issues this year, I think when you consider the fact that he is only 20 years old, he, ta- and he, he turned 20 I years. honestly forget that he's, just because he, I, he's been, yeah. since, 2000, since 2017, been, I've been watching him. I sometimes yeah. forget that he's just twenty. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, I think it's. I think it's. I think because of how relevant he has been for the last few years, we think he's a little bit older than he is. But yeah, like I said, he he recently turned twenty. He had some injury issues this year. He's been in and out of training camps because he's also been busy with uh, what is it? He, he's been to because he's missed some time a little bit training from Rayados because he's been training with youth national team camps mm-hmm. and also I think. There was too many camps that he was called into uh, under Tata Martino. And right now, I think he's also kind of focusing on uh, basically prepping for the Olympics. So I think I think when you mix that all together and the fact that he has a spot 
in a team that is as stacked as Rayados, I'm not that surprised that maybe his league form isn't perfect. You know, I, I think yeah. we still, I think we still need to be patient with him. I think we still need to give him some time to develop. And I think that uh, if anything, the, I think the one thing that we should be keeping an eye on is seeing how he does with the U22s. Obviously it's going to be tough to tell how he does, you know, this year because there's no, I mean, unless if you have access to some of those friendlies, they're going to be mm-hmm. taking part in what, like, uh, I think they're going to be, I think, so he got called up to U22 squad, uh, uh, for for the upcoming uh, break, and he's gonna be. I think they're gonna take part in a friendly on the nineteenth. But I think uh, what I would keep an eye on for him is let's see how he does during Olympic qualifying. So I think that's gonna be starting in March uh, of next year. You know, let's see what kind of role he has. You know, with that youth national team. Let's see if Mexico does qualify for the Olympics, which I assume they will. What kind of role he'll have for for Mexico? You know, in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I think I think. That is for me, uh, and maybe I'm saying this because I'm a Mexican national team fan. Maybe I'm saying this because I feel like that's the way that a player should transition. You know, it's just you, they do well as a youth talent. They do well in the league of Mikey's team. Maybe they move to Europe, but eventually they find their role within the national team. Maybe that's why I'm saying that. But I think when you keep all of this in mind, and like I said earlier, when you keep the f- mind that he had injury issues, when you keep in mind that he's been taking part in these mini camps, maybe it isn't that surprising that he isn't in the best form with Rayados. Mm-hmm. And when Rayados are stacked, and like when I said that, Jonathan is still 20 years old too. So I, th- I think he's I think he's got a lot on his plate, you know? Yeah, and, and just because of those injuries, uh, Charlie Rodriguez took his spot. Uh, you know, he was starting alongside Celso. And yeah. then just those injuries, and next thing you know, another young Mexican midfielder popped up out of nowhere. Yeah. And Charlie Rodriguez, uh, you know, his position, it, I mean, it's good and bad just because he... He, you want him to have the competition. You don't want to be have him complacent and thinking that, you know, that, that's the way we're thinking for as Monterrey fans. We want, we want competition at every position. And 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 just in the Clausura, he ended up losing his spot to to Charlie. So, I think he if he does stay with Monterrey long term, he knows that he'll. Have, I mean, Charlie hasn't been perfect either, but still he. It's a competition between those two for that second midfield position, or, or you know, to play alongside uh, a Celso. But when you were just putting together this piece, is there anything new that you found out about him, or anything interesting that you found out about him that you didn't know going in? Um, no, I mean, for the for the most part, I kind of I, I kind of knew what he was going to say. I was kind of like, I, I basically wanted him to talk just to confirm that you know, you know, since making you know so i guess really quickly for those you know who don't know he used to have a role with the u.s youth national team and then i believe it was uh in early 2018 uh january 2018 he decided to make the switch over uh to mexico so basically what i just kind of wanted to get from him and i guess what i wanted what i was interested in hearing from him is just to be like okay it's now late 2019 do you feel like you've made the right decision do you feel like you made the right choice by selecting Mexico, even though, you know, he didn't go to the World Cup, even though, you know, his meteor his meteoric rise is still he's still rising. He's still developing into a player, but maybe it, it didn't reach the heights that we thought it would have, you know, by this point. But I'm saying that recognizing he still has to develop. But no, I, I, I think I kind of knew uh, what he was going to say. I think uh, I, I pulled up the article here. Um, he did mention to me that it was that moving over to the Mexican national team was one of the hardest decisions that he's had to make. Because once again, it's not just something where 
he was just leaving a team. You know, he mentioned that he was leaving his friends. You know, was he was it was his t- leaving teammates, knowing that you know he couldn't go back. So it was really really rough for him. But at the same time, he also made it known that he felt like U.S. soccer didn't really make him feel like he was important. You know, he yeah. said that he didn't feel like U.S. like he was on U.S. soccer's radar. And I'm saying, and when he told me this, he was saying that that he was looking back at his time when when he helped guide, you know, Rayados to a second place finish, the Apertura, when he made the league's best eleven, when he was rookie of the year, and yet for some odd reason, he didn't feel like U.S. soccer really took much interest in him. You know, it, so it's it's so it, it, was, it was actually kind of like sad to hear that this guy, this Mexican American guy, this kid from the Bay Area, who just basically wasn't being given the attention that he deserved uh, from U.S. soccer. So, uh, you know, since then, it seems like he's been pretty happy, you know, with Mexico. It seems like he's been pretty happy. He seemed and I he he seemed pretty happy about uh, talking about uh, training with uh, the youth national team, you know, and he said that he was hoping uh to really make an impact there. And he says he, he feels like he could really like demonstrate to the coaches that he's ready to make the jump to this back up to the senior national team as well. So I think he's really looking forward to these youth national team camps, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think there was anything, uh, that ha- that he really hasn't said before. I just kind of wanted to hear him, you know, reiterate mm-hmm. that he felt like he made the right decision from switching from, uh, the U S over to Mexico. But I guess one thing that was a little bit of a, I mean, just because, like, I know, because I myself am Mexican-American, sometimes I like to talk about, you know, whether with certain Mexican-American players, would they feel like, you know, they were Mexican enough, or do they ever get criticized by their teammates? And I I, I guess one thing that I did find interesting was that uh, Jonathan said that um, when he first w- to join uh, Monterrey's Youth Academy, so this is, I think, around, like, 2014, he said that uh, a lot of his uh, teammates, uh, they called him gringo, uh because he came over from from the u.s so he, it's kind of funny to hear that that like that someone like if someone called me a gringo it'd be like what that'd be very confusing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but it was because and he and he said part of it too was also because you know at the very beginning he said it was pretty tough for him to speak spanish he said he could like understand everything his teammates were saying but it was a little tough for him to communicate at yeah. first which I guess a lot of us could probably like. Yeah, I could relate to that. Just yeah, because right? I know I understand everything, but then like when I start talking, okay, I could start talking good, but then I'm trying to think of the word I want. I like I know it in English, but I, I'm just trying to find it in Spanish. And then when I can't say it in in Spanish or I can't find it in Spanish, and you know, in my brain, I just blur it out in English, hoping they'd understand. You know, I'm hoping they'll pick it up or understand what I'm trying to say. So like yeah. I really do could relate to that. Yeah. No. So that was kind of interesting for him to say that the same that like yeah that his spanish wasn't perfect but yeah, he could understand what they were saying but then when he was when he was like communicating that back that was a little tough for him but obviously since then it seems like he's not only worked on his spanish but he worked his way up through right this is u15 u17 u20 made his debut on i think i think i've written down yeah july 21st 2017 against morelia so it obviously made some significant strides since then but uh, I think I'm trying to think of what else he said during the interview. Um, he did actually say in the interview that he was pretty excited about the Club World Cup, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that he, he says he wants to make history in the Club World Cup. Uh, and he says he kind of want, you know, wants to be the wants to be part of the first league in Mekis team to finish the tournament's top two spots. So he mentioned that as well. But uh, but yeah, no, I think I think for the most part, I think that was. That was about it with the, the article with Jonathan. But yeah, if you want to if you want to check it out. Yeah, it's on the I wrote it for the athletic. 
it was in it was in late September that I got a I got a chance to interview yeah. him. So it's up there. So I I just I because we got a question from um, Jair Martinez who writes for like Viva Liga MX on on mm-hmm. Fansided, but uh, he just wrote down and something I wasn't asking you either way. But do you think that for his development, do you think that he should go somewhere else so he'll get first start minutes? Uh, you know, no competition. He's the undisputed midfielder for for uh, Liga MX club. Or would you see him, or would you rather see him battle it out with with uh, Charlie Rodriguez or, or any other high priced uh, midfielder that that Morales might bring? Do you think the competition for him serves better for his development? That is a fantastic question because I think you can make the argument for either side because I think you know developing alongside Sosuarez, but developing alongside Charlie Rodriguez, you know, developing alongside. I mean, there's just. And, and not only just put players in the midfield, but just being able to get a chance to play with a Funes Mori, with a Dorlan Pavon, you know, with, you know, with, you know, I know he's not been in the best run of form, but to have a leader like Layun on the field, you know, to to play with the Nico Sanchez. I mean, there's there's this is a stacked, stacked, stacked team. So I feel like Jonathan can learn a lot from them. But maybe now that he's in his 20s, maybe once he turns 20, maybe maybe uh, what I'm going to say is if he if he's 21 or 22, uh, and he's still struggling for a starting role. He's still struggling for minutes. That's when Jonathan should maybe start looking towards other teams because even though he isn't a guaranteed starter for Rayados, he would definitely be a guaranteed starter for numerous other Liga mm-hmm. Mekis teams. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should. I don't think he should rush into it just yet. Um, just because I do really like the fact that he's able to develop and also train with some of these fantastic, you know, players. Because yeah. Even though Rayados aren't, you know, in the the top four right now, you know, they're they're barely they would potentially barely be sneaking into the playoffs. Some of these players that he's training with right now are incredible. It's just 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 incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, even to have someone like someone with with even more international experience, like you know Vincent Jansen, you know, that's yeah. So to have someone like that in the team to be able to like talk with him, be able to hang out with him, and to learn from from his experiences, I think that's, I mean, that that that. that that's pretty remarkable to be able to have someone like that in your team. So I think he should be patient for now, but maybe, yeah, maybe once he turns 21, 22, and if he's still not getting the minutes he wants, then yeah, then he should start looking for other options. Uh, you brought this up and it kind of, it kind of just triggered something in my mind. Yeah. He, he when, when I talked to like Monterey base reporters, I, I, I talk with, uh, with, I talk specifically with one. She always tells me that he, Jonathan Gonzalez serves as a, a translator for for Vincent He was serving as as one of the translators, one of the guys that he could communicate. I know Funes Mori speaks English. Yeah. Uh, he was teammates with Sorsdiset in the Netherlands. So and and so he was just one of those guys that just helped uh, Jansen just acclimate to to Mexico just by doing some translation and and so like he was a key you know I, they were both learning from each other i guess uh jonathan gonzalez can learn more on the field but he was also helping jansen just adjust to, to life there but um if if he does if he does move eventually or, or or if he stays regardless is there a certain club that you would like to see him go just because either his playing style fits that the way that club likes to play or or where do you see him if he does leave Monterrey in the near future? Where where would you like to see him go? That's a fantastic question. I really haven't thought about this, to be honest. Uh, I'm trying to think of right now. I mean, he did say. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna say he did say, but <laughs> if you if you if you look at some of the earlier articles about Jonathan Gonzalez, and I'm not saying this is where he should go because this is just where my mind's wandering now. 
if you look at some of the early articles that written about him, like they seem to imply that maybe like he may or may not be a fan of Chivas. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how he would fit there. Although right now playing with Chivas might be kind of a disaster. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So maybe something that might be a little interesting, even though maybe it might be tough for him. If he, maybe if he w- was a Chivas fan, he wouldn't consider it. But I wonder what, what it would be like if he was to go join, you know, still, you know, someone that's a place that's still big team, some place that's still tacked, but I mean, stacked, but, he can still kind of like uh, you know fit in pretty well. Maybe America, because what they mm-hmm. they play a little bit like a four two three one. And if he can play alongside Guido Rodriguez, because Guido Rodriguez is an incredible defensive mm-hmm. midfielder, so you can have someone like Jonathan who could play next to Guido, and they could both be kind of defensive rocks when they need to be. But at the same time, Jonathan has the box to box abilities mm-hmm. where he could be like, you know what, let me push a little bit more forward. Let me a little be be more so of an eight you know, than a, than a defensive midfielder. So maybe because that versatility, I guess the first team that comes to mind is a Gluba Medica. Cause I feel like he could work well right next to Guido Rodriguez, but I don't know, to be honest, I, I haven't, I, I haven't really thought about that, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, no, I guess the first, yeah, I guess the first comes to mind is, is, is a Gluba Medica, but, but yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure to be honest. And, and switching gears more to Monterrey, I, we've been talking, uh, Pat and I, and everybody just on, on Monterrey Twitter, that the club has the potential to be one of the big clubs in Mexico. We, I'm not going to say that they are. I think they have, like I said, they have the potential. And I just want to ask you, where would you rank Monterrey in terms of like the big clubs in Mexico? And what do you think they need to do as a whole to you know get into that? upper echelons where they're where when you think of mexican soccer all monterey comes to mind i mean can i be honest about this i really don't care about the whole like oh equipo grande like argument oh like that's on the equipo grande but like honestly i'm I'm tired of that argument i just (laughs) i i get so i get so bothered with it i don't know what just because it feels like such a it feels like such a pointless discussion because it's not because here's the thing it's just like because if you're going to have this conversation with anyone, more than likely you're going to disagree because everybody has their own definition of mm-hmm. what a big team is. Because what what defines a big team in, in Mexico? Some people will just say it's titles. Some people will just say that it's fan base. Some people will just say that it's dominance in, in, in recent years of soccer. So I, I find it frustrating because everybody has different definitions mm-hmm. of what they determine a big team to be. Because if if we're if we're saying it's success, then you know why why isn't you know Toluca you know why aren't they like an equipo grande you know because people would say like oh well they don't have as nearly as many fans as you know as a, as a Chivas or America or Cruz Azul or Puma so is it just about the amount of fans is it just about I don't know I, I honestly I, I I get so frustrated <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> not not with this conversation not like I'm not frustrated talking about it but I just get so frustrated by this like argument that you see online yeah. and. Uh, I guess as someone who, I I, I guess I'm, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think it's going to take? Because as someone like me personally, I genuinely don't care. And I'm yeah. okay saying that because I'm not, because it's not going to impact my work. It's not going to impact my conversations. When people uh, you know, ask you just like, oh, like, is this an equipo grande? Are they an equipo? Or well, I guess because most of the time they're asking about Monterrey or Tigres. Most of the time I say, like, I, I really don't care. I think Monterrey and Tigres are both fantastically talented teams. And I think that they're excellent. But I, I don't care if, if America or Chivas or Equipo Grande. I don't care if Monterrey or Tigres considers themselves to be an Equipo Grande. All I know is 
who's doing well and who's succeeding and I don't know. Right now, it's right now it's definitely Montenegro over Chivas. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I think you gotta have at least uh, your foot in every. You know, you gotta have a significant fan base. You you gotta have some type of success, and and you gotta have some type of financial financial power. Uh, it's I don't I don't think it's it's one or the other. I think you gotta have all three. Just because for me, that's the criteria. I don't I don't think it's one or or, or the other. You just gotta be able to to cross you know for me that's my checklist i know monterrey they have the money they have a they they have obviously they have a, a really great squad i think th- and you know and, and transitioning to the next topic that i want to talk about uh-huh. it's just more about them trying to reach a broader audience try to be more like yeah, just have that large fan base and for me for, for what i've seen wrong with this club is that they're always they're comfortable with the amount of fans they have, like I want to see this team, like they're going to the Club World Cup. I, I yeah. want to see them more, rec- you know, rec- a recognizable brand, for, for lack of a better word. I want them to be more, like, hey, those. If, if someone in Europe doesn't know Mexican soccer, I can say that's. I can, and you know, I'm not afraid to say. I know America is one of the biggest clubs. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I got no, no problem with that saying that. But I want to include Tigres. I, 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 not Tigres. I want well, Tigres. I mean, for what it's worth, they do spend money. They have their toes in some of those objects. But uh, I know I want Monterrey to just be that that not not be complacent because that's that's what I, I have a problem with when it comes to mm-hmm. like their 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 market marketability. Just because, for example, they're playing America this this weekend uh, during their international break against uh, yeah they're playing in Houston. And their friendlies always seem to be in Texas, and it's just like for me, yeah. I always feel like they have the potential. You know, they, they have the they they do play attract. You know, when, when they're at their highest level, they do play attractive soccer. They play attractive football. That if you're just asking a friend, hey, which team should I watch to get a to to get a feel for 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 Mexican soccer? I'd be like, watch Monterrey. They 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 got they got the star power. They got the on a given week, they can beat up a club five nothing, and and they'll just look so entertaining. And I, I just I'm just trying to see them grow and get out of their comfort zone. I mean, they 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 did have this uh, matchup against Sevilla booked. I felt like it was booked at the wrong time. You're asking a yeah. lot for a European team to club during the middle of their season to the United States. I felt like they should have done that in the summer, but they're taking small steps. I just want to see them, like I tell Pat. Yes, their their fan base is all in Monterrey and parts of Texas, but I want them to branch out to other parts of the United States because I know they're not going to convert the hardcore America fans, hardcore Tigres fans, hardcore Chivas fans. Like that shouldn't be the people that they market their brand of, of football, their brand, uh, whatever else they want to market. But there's the 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 fair weather fans. You can grab those. Yeah. You can make new fans. So it's just like I, I I just feel like they they have a lot of potential, but they're just not seizing it and when a club has like four four international trophies i feel like they're not doing enough to make themselves an international brand just like you know i i want to see them uh i'm, I'm getting into a rant here but i like i like to like they did like i i do give them kudos that that sevilla match it would have mm-hmm. been really cool to see just because that's not something you see very often but i i want them to do that again but in the summertime where where clubs have more, more. It's not, it's not difficult to ask them to come to the United States and play. But I, 
it's just have that play against the the big clubs in South America. I I, I give kudos to Chivas for playing in that ICC because mm-hmm. not often you see a, a Mexican team playing against some of the you know some 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 good European teams. And then I give kudos to both Chivas and America for playing River and Boca Juniors. Just those type of stuff. Like that's the type of stuff I want to see Monterrey affiliated with. Like I, I got no problem with Houston, San Antonio, like those matches, but I want to see them just. Just, just get out of your comfort zone a little bit and start exposing your brand of football to to other people who may not be familiar with it. So that's just that's yeah. what I was I was kind of trying to lead you towards. Like, yeah, what what does Monterrey have to do just to not be like a regional brand? Because we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. The English side, a lot of teams are just complacent. I mean, American Chivas, they're in another stratosphere just because they can sell out Soldier Field. We, we saw that. They can do that. But I, I just want to see more, like, international ambitious. Just just don't be, like... I mean, we, we, we're we trying to just do stuff with, league, with MLS. Like, I like... Actually, you know, I like seeing that. I like... For me, I like seeing matches that you normally don't see. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like that. But um, it's just keep growing that brand, keep growing. And I just wanted to ask, like, what 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 type of potential do you see Monterey having, like, in terms of just helping grow their, you know, just having a bigger brand than what they already are? I mean, the thing is, is that just like, yeah, I think before they even start thinking about, you know, expanding it globally, they, I mean, we talked about right there is that, or you talked about is that there's so much low hanging fruit in the United States. Mm -hmm. All it really takes is just like, schedule a few friendlies and like random you know not want to say random but just like uh, different u.s towns you know actually hire uh someone to do english language content and when i say hire someone hire a mexican-american guy not 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 hire someone from one today but hire a mexican-american guy or woman well i don't i don't know why i said guy it could be it could be a man or a woman but hire hire someone who's a mexican-american who truly understands you know the mexican-american fan base and just cater through that and that could give you so much more attention because there's just so much low-hanging fruit because here's the thing too i know you said that there's like oh there's like you know there's diehard americanistas you know and chivas fans out here but i don't in 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 other american sports like i feel like i've I've run into a lot of friends who like yeah their 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 dad roots for for one mlb team but the son roots for a different one Mm -hmm. or maybe like one mom like supports like you know, this NBA team, but maybe like the Sun roots for a different one. And it's maybe it, it maybe all it takes, you know, for them to root for a different team. It's just like, oh, yeah, they they saw a game once and they really like the jersey. Oh, yeah, they just grew up and saw those. Like, so, yeah, even though there's and I know like there's a lot of fans out here. I mean, my dad was from Guadalajara, so he was uh, a hardcore Chivas fan. So, I mean, I don't say it a lot. I, I don't root for any League of Mexico teams anymore. But growing up, I rooted for Chivas because my dad did. But maybe if there was some sort of like cool outreach from, let's say, uh, Rayados when I was a kid, would I have supported Rayados? Maybe. Who knows? I, I, there could have there could have been a potential for that. So I think there needs to be at least an attempt to do that. And I think too, there there uh, if we're if we're talking specifically about Monterrey, I feel bad for team for three teams right now: Monterrey, Santos, and Cholos, because right now they're under Fox Sports, and Fox and Fox Sports right now does not give them enough attention. You know, yeah, they have the rights to those games in English, but they are not making any effort at all. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, they actually put them on Fox Sports. Like I see their matches on Fox Sports too, and like that's not a channel that's basic. Like 
I if I have like just a regular streaming service, I, I only get Fox Sports one. If I have to like upgrade my my package, uh, to get Fox Sports too. So like just the, just I'm just just talk, I'm just spitballing here. Just the average home wouldn't have that channel. So it's like yeah. they play on a Friday, and and sometimes I I I look and it's just either a rerun of a show or or or, or it's just something that they can actually put like they can have. The, the the they could have had the Cholos Rayados matchup on Fox Sports One, where yeah. you know it's it's easily accessible to a lot of people. But no, they they bumped them down to Fox Sports Two. Yeah. But I mean that's why I mean that's why the Bundesliga is leaving Fox Sports just because they've they've missed uh, you know the the Bundesliga president thought that they were mistreating their 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 their, their league, and it's just. Yeah, I, I think I think I mean Fox Deportes does a great job. I mean we had Mariano Trujillo on our show, and yeah, yeah. that guy was he's amazing. He does everything, but just the English side when it comes to just speaking English content, yeah, that's yeah. And I'm not saying you know, little, not, not saying it's the commentator's fault. Like Trujillo does do a good job, but I'm saying it's just more so those in charge aren't hyping it up enough, mm-hmm. or embarrassingly enough too. Fox, uh, you know, soccer. Or it was either I think it was either Fox Soccer or Fox Sports had this uh, graphic, and it was like. Ooh, must-see soccer in, like, November. And they have the rights, the English language rights, to three different Liga Mackey's teams, the most popular soccer league in the country, and they didn't put yeah. up a single one. And that says a lot about the priorities of what... Uh, of what, and, I'm not, and I'm not just saying it's a Fox soccer thing, because realistically speaking, that it's it's difficult, and I'm saying that to someone who covers uh, Liga Mackey's and the Mexican national team and Mexican soccer for a living, for the most part. It's 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 tough because Liga Mackey's teams, most Liga Mackey's teams, not all, they don't care enough to market to Mexican-American fans like in the right way they should. And there is a lot of media companies that don't give enough attention or coverage (laughs) for those Liga Mackey's teams. So that's why, I mean, leading up to what we talked about earlier today, that's why this says a lot about the significance of having like you know the hashtag league of Mikey's eng community with people such as yourself who are providing this content because if you didn't do it who would you know you know you, yeah. who, who would because guess what like you're not having a fox soccer show called like league of Mikey's breakdown talking about uh you know yeah. uh, all the stuff that happened league of Mikey's. you're not gonna have like 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 detailed pre and post games i mean look what look at the way that nb and i know it's different because with uh other leagues it's all packaged as a league altogether, as opposed to Liga Mekis, where it's a team by team situation. So I know that's that, that makes things really tough. But look at the way that NBC treats the Premier League. Look at the way look at the way that the, the and I think they do a fantastic job. And now look at the way that like Fox treats Liga Mekis. <laughs> it yeah. is it's a stark, yeah. stark contrast. Sometimes it'd be like that'll be like some sort of like like college volleyball game. And then I it, it because it goes to like like overtime or something like that, like a Sholos game is delayed by 20 minutes on, on Fox. And once again, I'm not just putting the blame on them. It's just because <laughs> we're talking about Monterrey Dallas. But I think for the most part, a lot of uh, American media, they don't they don't give enough attention to these Liga Mackey's teams. And then Liga Mackey's teams themselves don't make enough of an outreach. So it's up to basically us. Yeah, <laughs> to kind of like work on these things. Yeah. yeah, and and that's what I was saying. Like, I, I want Monterrey to just not play. Like, nothing against Texas, but just don't be complacent and be playing most of your friendlies uh, in Texas. Like, play in play in Phoenix, play in Arizona, yeah. play in LA. You know, uh, 
I was telling Pat, schedule a friendly with the uh, LAFC or LA Galaxy. Okay. Play against the Seattle Sounders. Like, if there's like a large Mexican demographic, you know, the, the pl- what when I saw the their match against Atlanta uh, United uh, earlier in the year, like there was a ton of of Real su- uh, supporters just driving down from different parts of the area, and if you play within someone's location they'll they'll drive just because like it's just this team has so much potential to just grow it's you know i'm, I'm just focusing focusing on on monterey's angle but the, like like just try to play in different cities try to grow your 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 club with with, with like you said a, a, a parent could be this fan, fan of this club but their kids are their kids sees monterey play and like you know i want to root for them just because I like the way they play. I like the, the big name players that they bring in, et cetera, et cetera. But, but yeah, I think we can have a whole another discussion or whole separate podcast just on oh, what's yeah. going on. And really quickly, it's, and it's not just, and I know we're being like, we're being like selfish as like Mexican Americans and be like, listen, look at us. But like, but like, I mean, if, if you're example, like look at the way that IX did content for, for Edson Alvarez. It was like, it, it was incredible to see it. Look at the way that Bundesliga, you know, did content for 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 Chicharito, for Marco Fabian. I mean, Rayado should be doing stuff like that, like week in, week out with with Vincent Jansen, like reaching out to like Dutch fans. You know, yeah. like they, they, if, like that would be that if you really, really want to be like global, if you really, really want like fans like in Europe, like buying your jerseys or asking like, oh, like can Rayados play a friendly over here? Oh, who what is Rayados team? Look at yeah. Look at the way that the Bundesliga treated Chicharito. Look at the way that that Ajax you know have done stuff with with Edson Alvarez. You know, look at the stuff that Wolves are doing stuff right now with uh, with Raúl Jiménez. And I know that maybe it wouldn't make a lot of sense because by you know catering to the Netherlands, obviously like population wise, it's you know it's it's not you know it's not the same as Mexico. But there's still you know, millions of fans out there that you could be catering to if you want to think globally. I don't know, but at the very least, they they yeah, did bring like, over Vincent Yancey, so that's, yeah. that, that's that's a good sign. There, no, I guess. no, no. Like I, I've I've been just to talk about Didis just quickly. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of PSG. I'm I, I follow the French league closely, so it's like for me, it's been a surprise that Didis haven't like done a uh, friendly with Marseille at this point. Yeah. You know, it's been like five what five six years into Gignac's tenure there. And I am still, you know, I'm still surprised that nothing's come about. Uh, it's just like, what are exactly are you waiting for? Uh, and you know, it's just, it's just. It's, it, I mean, it, it's possible. You can obviously do it. I mean, I know there's obviously dollars and cents that need to go into it, and that's something that's way out, way out there. But still, I mean, you can easily do it. So it's just, yeah. it'll be up to the, you know, like we said, it's up to the clubs if they want to grow their brand but yeah. uh speaking of Jansen, like i'm not sure how many matches you've been able to see of him uh i know he's dominated copa mx uh he got a hat trick in his last uh last start against cafeteleros and i think he's just gaining so much confidence and, and obviously that's it's putting the pressure on funes mori which is why funes mori went out and scored two goals just because and 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 Mohamed uh, in that uh, post game uh, after that win against Cafeteleros, he he was saying that yeah, Jansen just by his play, he's asking me, you know, metaphorically to to put him in the lineup because I and I've been most of Monterrey fans have been loud that we want to see Jansen just because Fudes Mori has this. He was the only 
player on the squad that had like no competition. I mean, no offense to to Barreiro who left. Uh, no offense to Zalivar or, or Luis Madrigal that, that that were there. None of them could, you know, they they couldn't take over his position or they couldn't put enough. They couldn't light a fire under him. And, and Jansen has come in and he's kind of done that. So I just want to get your thoughts on Jansen from what you cut, what you've seen, and and what do you think of his potential, and then just Europeans overall, like. Uh, how long do you see the next at least decent European to come to Mexico? I think once again with with, with Jansen, maybe we're going to have to be a little patient and wait to to twenty twenty because and I, and I've talked about this before on the Mexican Soccer Show and like a, a couple other podcasts is that we as Liga Mekis fans we have this kind of interesting perspective on seasons. We'll, we'll say or like we'll say like oh. He didn't do well this season. Now nah, he didn't do well this season. It took him, you know, this season he struggled. And we forget that when we say seasons, what, what do we talk about? Four months, like <laughs> four and a half months. Yeah. Like, I think that, I think, especially with, in a case with Jansen, where he, you know, it, it's going to take him some time to not only learn the language, but the culture, but to learn a lot about Liga Mekis. I think we're going to have to be patient with him until 2020 to see what he what he can do and maybe yeah it's maybe even though fans want to see him like getting more minutes say maybe see him like getting more starts because because what how many how many league of Mexico games has he started what just like two three i i don't know how many two. League of games. uh and and one of those starts he was playing alongside Buenos Mori, like i think only one start he's been like just league matches one start he's been the lone striker and that was the match against cruz azul where uh, yeah, that was the match when it was like a, a double week and, and Jansen got the start in the middle of the week. And, and that's, I think, at the top of my head, that's been the only match where he's been the lone feature striker. I know he got another one. I, I forgot the opponent, but uh, where he, him and Funes Mori were, were, were a tandem striker partnership. And, and after that, it's just been Copa Mekis and, and then just coming on as a sub. Yeah, so I, I think that considering all those things, that like, yeah, once again, this is a talent that, that yeah is, is gonna be he's new to the country he's new to the culture he's new to the language new and new to the team new to the league that maybe it's gonna take him i'm not gonna say a season you know because because if i feel like we once again we have that misconception when we say season you know it's gonna take him you know yeah. i think maybe to early 2020 to kind of like figure things out you know because because what he's only because because he didn't actually make his because he didn't actually get his de- debut until I mean, if we're even talking about like months, it, like, yeah, what? it took him like four weeks for well into this like week match day four, match day five. Like it took him a couple of weeks. I think uh, it, it was the match before Santos. I, I don't know at the top of my head of what week that was, but that, I think he played against Leon in that win where they won. Um, but I know it took him like four, like a month to to finally break in. Yeah, so I think that I think you're I, I, my perspective, and, I, and obviously you've watched him a lot more than I have. And you know, most of the minutes that I've seen of Jansen were just that that one Selena video that people were retweeting where he got that hat trick. What was it? Yeah, like, so, someone put the Selena song. <laughs> the person who created that is the be- like she is the best when it comes to like memes and stuff for Monterrey Twitter. She's like uh, the, the the social media queen. Yeah, that was fantastic. I, I I love that gif and the music and whatnot. But uh, <laughs> but I think, but I think he's just like like so many other talents that come over here. Like I think, if I remember correctly, uh, like someone like I'm trying to think of the last time there was someone like this who is like 
not because like yeah if someone were to come over from like argentina like it might not be that difficult to adjust like you're still gonna take some time to adjust but i'm trying to think of like let's say like keske honda there we go keske honda you know like a, a japanese player uh obviously probably doesn't know a lot about mexican culture doesn't know the language uh and doesn't know the league i think it's like i think his first season with pachuca was pretty average and it wasn't until his second season that he really started to do well and i know that they're very different players because keske honda is not a striker but i think that maybe someone like that were just like regardless of their talents they're going to need some time to adjust i think maybe that's gonna be the same thing with jansen and uh but um it's such a shame too because i was hoping i was gonna try to talk to him on uh, on friday after the game but uh but he, I asked, uh, and I tried like saying it out loud, and he goes like, "Oh, Vincent, like a, a few questions." But then he just smiled and said, "Sorry," and then kept wandering through the mix zone. But uh, yeah, <laughs> so somebody if you give look it, at yeah. his, if you look at his, um, re- re- it's just because the reporters don't know that it, 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 he looks a little confused. Uh, yeah. He he is trying to learn the language. I I spoken with the reporter, and she said that he's. He's uh he's he's learning. He knows some of his tweets, yeah, or not tweets, but some of his Instagram posts. He'll he'll put it in Spanish. Uh, there's there's still some. Uh, this is I guess this is how they know that he's not using Google Translate. But there's some like grammatical errors where where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I I don't think he I don't think that would happen if if he was using Google Translate. So yeah. some of the people are like that. He's trying to learn the language, but. Yeah, there's nothing but, wrong with that either. Yeah, like like it was it was like he was like a jerk or anything. I like he's <laughs> he he's, he smiled and was like ah sorry. And I was like I don't know where that is. Yeah, he was no, actually, he's, he was he was walking with Layun actually. He was he was walking with Layun and him and Layun were chatting. And then a bunch of Sholos fans asked Layun for photos. So then uh, Layun walked away and Vincent kept walking. But yeah, yeah, he's a he's a. I think he he's he's over the last couple of weeks he's been fitting well. You see more. More posts with him and and Gallardo. He's really like I'm not sure if, if they become a, a a bromance or something like yeah. that. But it, <laughs> it's uh we've seen a lot of posts with uh with uh with Gallardo. But for the most part, we're seeing uh, Instagram posts with him, Layun, Funes Mori, and it just feels like over the last month or so, he's just kind of become one one of the boys for for lack of a better phrase. So, you know, he's he's starting to get. I guess more integrated into Mexican culture or, 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 or just Mexico in general. And he's feeling more and more uncomfortable or more and more yeah. comfortable. So, but yeah, uh, last two topics before I let you go, because we've yeah. been talking for an hour, but some of the, like the young Mexican players on the, on Monterrey, like where do you see their potential? Because there's obviously there's two or three that have uh, Mexican national team potential. Obviously they call ups and, and, well, four. If you, I don't want to include Pisado because I don't think he's that young anymore. He's he's in the midst. He's in his mid twenties. So, but Cesar Montes, Charlie Rodriguez. Obviously, we talked about Jonathan Gonzalez, and then you also have Johan Vasquez, who who played at the Pan American Games for Mexico. But out out of these four talents, like which one are you interested more in seeing and finding out what what their potential is? I mean, just for for selfish reasons, just Jonathan Gonzalez because he's a fellow Mexican American. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I guess, you know, I, I think that for the most part, uh, I guess once again, this is me talking more so from thinking from from the national team kind of perspective, you know, like maybe maybe I should sh- maybe because I'm, I'm on your podcast, I should be thinking from more of a Rayalos perspective. But I'm thinking more so if we're talking about young Mexicans, I'm thinking more so of a national team perspective. And I think for the most part that that Mexico you know, we we tend to do. In, in, I would say right now, when we're looking at the depth, I think Mexico looks pretty stacked when it comes to to midfield options. You yeah. know, when it comes to striker options, winger options, 
And I think that when I'm, 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 when we're looking at the back line, I'm still a little worried defensively, and I'm still a little worried in the heart of that defense because as we've seen, you know, in recent games, you know, on paper, you know, Araujo and Carlos Salcedo should work out fine. Those are decent Mexican players, but I just still feel so uneasy. Yeah, when I, see I mean, if you it. look back at that Argentina game, they were they were carved up pretty good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, I think more so from like a selfish perspective. I'm not. I guess if we're talking about potential, I guess maybe that's a different argument. But who do I want to see succeed more? Who do I want to really, you know, live up to her potential? Maybe it's going to be Cesar Montes because yeah. I'm still not. I'm I'm still not losing hope on him, and I still think he's a he's a fantastic passer. And at least from from what I saw in the game on Friday, I was pretty impressed with some of his long passes he was creating. Obviously, you've been watching a lot more of Cesar Montes than I have. So maybe he his passing hasn't been nearly as great. But it seems like it seems like he kinda I don't know, maybe it was partially you know I guess I'm I'm a I guess I'm gradually turning into a part like the big Mexican media, but whatever. But uh <laughs> but like I feel like a lot of us maybe hyped him up a little too much. What yeah. in like late 2016, maybe 2017, maybe we were saying the next Rafa Marquez a little yeah. a little too often. Uh, so maybe we need to let, like, let, you know, tone that down a little bit, but I still have hope that he can kind of maybe work his way into the, into the, uh, like higher up the depth chart for the yeah. Mexican national team. Cause I still want to see more depth in the central defensive, uh, not, not, yes. And like in the, in the middle of the, of the defense for, for Mexico. Yeah, no, that if I had to pick one out of the young Mexicans that I want to see live up to the potential, that's him just because. I mean, he's the guy that that scored the first goal at the BBVA. Many many fans have wa- been wanting him. I like myself included. I've been wanting him to take that next step in his development because he's still inconsistent. There's there's times where against Cholos he looked really good, and, and then there's times where if you go look at that Veracruz game, you know, Kazim Richards, he he just gets by him and really? and at being at yeah he, he was the one that turned over the ball and then he hustled back to try to oh. try to you know he he tried to pretty much make up for his mistake and or not Kazim Richard but whoever whoever got the assist for for that goal whoever whoever created that assist but yeah he he turned the ball over tried to make up for his mistake and, and still got beat so there, there's times where it's like yes I think he, this guy can hopefully he can be consistent that's his one issue it's just him, he's not consistent, and two, I'm not sure if this is in him, but the guy's like what six foot two. He's yeah. a a big man. He's a big yeah. boy. He's only 21. I think he's only 22, 21, 22. But he's a you can't teach height as much as, uh, yeah. <laughs> as as and and he's starting to show it a little bit. He he'll when it comes to set pieces, he'll be he'll be he'll use his height. Yeah, I, I mean that's something that I've been wanting him to do mostly on set pieces. Like, dude, you're six foot one, six foot two. A lot of the people there are are, are 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 three four inches shorter than you. Use your height when you're yeah. doing set pieces, and and I want him too, just to be more aggressive. Be just like when I see his potential, I look back at that game against Atlanta United where guy shut down Joseph Martinez. Like mm-hmm. the guy had him. He anytime Joseph Martinez was trying to create a scoring chance, Cesar Montes was there to say no, you're not doing anything. And that's when I thought, okay, I think next season this can be the, the the next step in his potential. And he's just, I, granted, he's had some injuries. I know he had a scary moment uh, earlier, a couple of weeks ago, when it came to that concussion. Uh, and injuries have t- have to play a part in it, but it's this inconsistency 
on his part. I, I, I'm just waiting for him to take that extra step. And and I, I, I would like to see some edge to his game where where he's aggressive, where he sh- like has that that you know I'm not, gonna, not I'm not trying to curse here, but he's trying to I want him to have that where he commands people in the back line, where he tells them where to go. I know he's young, but I want him, and I'm not sure if that this is in his 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 DNA, but just take charge because, yeah, he's one of the youngest players uh, in that back line along with Johan Vasquez, but still, I mean, you, you got to be able to command, you know, you're playing in the central defense, you got to be able to command uh Stefan Medina, who who sometimes plays in the central defense or plays out on the out, out as a fullback, and you got to be able to just I just want him to take that be just not be a Virgil Van Dyke, but just have that just that edge to his game where where he'll be where he'll just be commanding players on where to be and where to go. Maybe it comes as as he ages, but I mean he 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 has some of the best player. Like I I think Stefan Medina is the best defensive player in Liga Mekis just because. Like I like like the guy is just so underrated on my part, and and I think he has he has he's he has like people to learn from, and I think that's really great for his development. But I think for me, it's just just find that consistency, just because one one match he'll look like the guy should be starting for Mexico, and then the next one's like he should not be starting for anybody at this point, <laughs> or for at least a big or for a club with like uh, uh, Monterrey's ambitions. But, but yeah, he, he, de- he definitely needs to find that consistency for, for to be the, just be that regular call up for, for Mexico in, in that central defense as they, I think they're trying to get a little bit younger too. And, 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 you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but yeah, because okay. if we're t- if, if we're if we're purely talking potential, if we're purely talking about like what the ceiling is for different Mexican central defenders. I feel like Cesar Montes is still potentially at the very top. Yeah, I mean Edson Alvarez is is potentially up there too, but I I think I still like because of what he's done for the Mexican national team and what he's done for Ajax recently, I like Edson Alvarez more so as defensive midfielder. So I think Edson Alvarez should be playing a little bit higher up there. Um, so I think that just like but the the very very best they can be and from what i've seen the hints of uh, you know of like brilliance that i that i've seen from you know different mexican defenders i feel like montes still has a lot that he could really you know develop into and to really become so that's why i feel like i i really want to see him become a, a very special player but i also uh, i don't know at the same time I'm a little worried too i'm not saying that just because after once he you know once he's in his mid-20s that doesn't mean you don't develop anymore obviously you continue to develop as a player but I just, I mean, I hate to compare him to like Diego Reyes, but I just don't want him to be like another yeah. one of those like lanky defenders who are just like, oh, don't worry. Like, give another season. Let's see what happens. Wait, how old is he now? Like, yeah, you're be like, I thought he was in his mid 20s. No, he's in his late 20s already. Yeah. It's like Diego Reyes, he's like, tw- he's like 23, right? Right? Diego Reyes is 23? Oh, no. Oh no, <laughs> he's 27, 27, but that's that's it. That's that's uh that's 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 what he is. Is what he is. Like yeah. <laughs> you kind of lose track on how old how young or how old some of these players are, and you still think there's room to grow. But and then light and then time hits you in your in your face, and you're like, no, I think this is it. This is what he is, and it's not gonna get better. Yeah, but, man, uh, I I just turned 31, man. It's not getting any better for me. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two years away from entering the 30s. So oh, uh, it's <laughs> your your back hurts. It's it's terrible. Your vision starts going. Yeah, uh, I can't do the things I I thought I could still do as a, like someone in their early 20s or or teenager. Like I used to skate a lot, and 
I tried getting on the skateboard and I fell down and I just like I can't get up. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but just to cl- close out the podcast, uh, Monterrey, like we were talking earlier, Monterrey controls their destiny. They just need to win against Outlast, and they're in. And I'm trying to. Part of me, I'm very superstitious. I don't like talking, or I don't like thinking too far ahead, or or counting my chickens before they hatch. But just hypothetically, if they do get by Atlas and they clinch their spot in the last Ligia, or you know, the last spot in the Ligia, how far do you think they can go? Because they're not your typical eight seed. They're like we were saying, they're 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 a squad that's underperformed at the highest of rates. They're 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 not, they're they're starting to play a little bit to their potential, but they're a scary number eight. Like you're not your prototypical eight eight spot. And and like I was talking with Pat earlier, they played Santos last year in the Apertura in the Liga, where Santos was the higher seed and Monterrey beat them. So I I don't know if Santos that's the team they want to face or they're confident because I know. Earlier in the season, when pretty much everybody wanted Diego Alonso fired, they 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 beat up on the not not say, not they didn't beat up, but they they put on a good performance. Where in their first ten minutes or 10, 15 minutes of the match, they got two goals easily, and then it was just uh, an uphill battle for Monterrey to try to at least get a point out of that match. But uh, if if they get in, if if they can beat Atlas and clinch that last spot, where do you think or how far do you think they can go? Mm, I mean, I I think. Just off the top of my head, I think that when I think of a side like like Rayalis, when I think of the talent that they have, um, when I think of them as a playoff team, I think the margins sometimes between these playoff teams are so thin, and sometimes we get a little confused by the standings. I mean, make no doubt about it, Santos have by far been the most dominant team when you look at those standings. But sometimes the difference between let's say uh, a fourth place team and uh, like an eighth place team is just sometimes it's just two points. Sometimes it's three points. It's, it's, it's a very, very minimal difference in Liga Mekki. So I don't, I don't think that Rayados should be afraid of any of these teams. I don't, I think that as long as they can avoid Santos, just because of the success that Santos have had this season. Well, I isn't think, Santos clinching that number one spot already? I, I, I think I, so. I, I think so. Like, yeah, there, there's, I think after the win against, um, I think Cruz Azul, they, they solidified that number one spot. So if, if Monterrey gets in, it will probably, it, it more, no, no, it's not probably, they will get Santos. Yeah. Well, could, can't they, I mean, if, if Morelia, because if Morelia lose, uh, I'm looking at the at the goal differential right, and Morelia has a pretty high uh, unless uh, they they beat they beat up Atlas really good. I think I think they're just locked into that eighth spot if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, you're right. It'd, it'd have to take a, yeah because it's right now Morelia has a plus seven and Rayo's yeah. a plus two, so it would take yeah. So more than likely it's going to be Santos. It would take but... six goals for Monterrey to hop over Morelia, and obviously for Morelia to lose. Yeah, yeah. So it take like I mean I guess yeah it would take like a three nothing loss for like Morelia and like a two nothing win for Monterrey. Yeah, no. So you're right there. You're right. Um, I, th- I think that being said, I mean I, I don't. I mean maybe 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 Santos aren't aren't that big of a of a leap. You know maybe it's not that big of a, a a battle to be going up against. Maybe I think that on paper the only team that could really really kind of give him a, a little bit of a tough time is Thigris for for numerous reasons you know and I'm saying mm-hmm. that I think the big reason and the biggest factor is just because of the rivalry you know with Thigris so when, when I when I think of Rayados uh I, I'm not gonna say they're the title favorite I'm gonna say that they're a semi-finalist for me yeah um I wouldn't be surprised if they were to beat a Santos uh and then I wouldn't be surprised if they were to have some trouble 
uh, against, let's say, a Tigres or let's say León or let's say an América, you know, but maybe against a, a Santos or Necaxa, you know, over over 180 minutes and in and Rayados playing at their best, you know, Rogelio Funes Mori, you know, like playing at his best, maybe, you know, having someone maybe even have like Jan- like Jansen step in, maybe adding in a couple goals, you know, as long as that back line's working well, Cesar Montes is playing well. I don't know. I, I think that I do see this team as a semifinal team, um, but I'm not going to go out of my way to say that they are the clear title favorite or that they're going to be a finalist. And I, and I think that says a lot about the parody that we've been mm-hmm. seeing in Liga Mekis this season. Maybe not the parody, but the surprising success of some of those teams at the top of the table, because I want to say before this season for, I want to say for maybe like five, six seasons in a row, if people ask me who I thought the title favorites were, I'd be like, well, it's either Tigres or Rayados. You know, yeah. I, I feel like I had said that consistently for quite some time. And, and now, I mean, on paper, you can say that, you know, Tigres or, or Rayados are definitely up there when it comes to the title mm-hmm. favorites. But I, I still think that it's it's completely up in the air. And I and I genuinely don't know who's gonna be winning the title yeah. this is it gonna be America, is it gonna be Santos, is it gonna be Tigres, is it gonna be Leon, is it gonna be Monterrey? You know, I, I think I honestly think more so than any other season recently. I think that it, it it's it's completely up in the air. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think that ILS are, are just just because that you know you know, this last, this, this recent, you know, uh, undefeated streak of, I guess it's like four games now. Yeah. It's a little bit of a late push and they have shown some problems, you know, you know, recently, like, or not recently, but that, like in other parts of the season, I'm still going to say that they're a semifinal team. I think Rodolfo Pizarro is like the huge X factor because he's on record yeah. of saying that he, not to say that he, he doesn't care about the, the, the early game, you know, early part of the season or, or just playing against smaller clubs, but he got, he gets amped up for playing these meaningful matches stuff yeah. that, and, and you saw it against Cholos, you know, he scored that, yeah. that, that really good goal to, to, you know, start this, uh, you know, start padding that lead. But, but he, I think he's the big X factor. I think he can carry, I mean, we kind of saw it a little bit in that CONCACAF Champions League final where he was just, he was, he was just a, a player possessed. He, uh, he has that potential. And, and I think he's going to be one of the X factors that, that they're going to, they're going to play that, not play that clip, but they just put those words that he said, where he, he gets more amped up more. He likes playing these important matches, uh, to him and and we'll see what what happens there and i just want to get your thoughts really quick on pisado uh early you know to start the season he still has ambitions to go to europe do you think he'll eventually go to europe or do you think he's just a liga mackie's player for the rest of his prime you know prime years i think that uh for a while uh a lot of players like pisado you know it'd be the kind of player just like well now that he's gone to a you know to a bigger liga mackie's team there's no way that a European team is going to spend, you know, tens of millions on a guy who, you know, still doesn't even have, you know, like a, you know, like a proven spot within the national team, you know, because I think that obviously, because we've, t- we, we've hinted at it earlier today, but we didn't actually say it, but just, you know, you know, Mexican soccer does live in a bubble and it lives in that bubble and its finances as well. And the the prices that these players will go for within Liga Mekis and you'll see, really, really high prices for, you know, for some of the league's best talent um, in comparison to maybe what 
they're truly worth if you compare them to some Euro European counterparts. But the thing is now is that the amount of money that players are being sold for in Europe is astonishing. Yeah. You know, it's it's really really astonishing to to see to see the amount of the, just to see that like the tens of millions of these players are like sold for. Like it's crazy to listen to like English soccer podcast and people talk about just like oh, blah 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 was only like thirty million euros. Like what a steal! Yeah, <laughs> thirty million euros. And it's just like and it's like incredible to hear these prices and how it's like not that big of a deal. You know, to be be like oh this guy was a decent player and it was only for this kind of amount of money. So. I think it's going to be tough because, yeah, he is still because Raya like, would it be willing to let him go? I mean, what, what's what's his contract situation I, like right now? I think from what I read, not it's nothing like set in stone, but I think he has like an eight million dollar buyout clause uh, okay. to his contract. So, and and I think one like one of the uh, one of the I guess uh, agreements uh, before he made to Monterrey that if any European clubs come, you know, if, if they come calling, that Monterrey will just step aside and say, yeah, you can go. So that was, I think, one of the agreements uh, in his contract. So uh, it's eight million dollars to buy him. I know there was rumors of, of AC Milan. They they were talking to him. I know AC Milan's struggling financially. They're they're they they don't uh, they you know they they're, they're limited financially. So, but that never happened. And and I haven't read anything lately of yeah. any European team being linked to him, like any talks of it, but. I mean, if he carries Monterrey to a final, I mean, that yeah. will probably catch some eyes, especially like you said, the European teams are are throwing away, are throwing out, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on average players. And I think there's some European teams that do, you know, they, they work on a budget and $8 million for, for Pizarro. The only thing against them, again, is just that he's on record of saying that he, he wants to play meaningful matches. That's what gets him going. And I don't know if a European club... Uh, uh, you know they're, they're being complacent they just want to stay up it, it would be good for him just because just reading those comments that, that will turn off some teams off so i mean it's it's a sticky situation i think he he, he has the potential to go but it's just i mean there's a there's a there's a i think he knows that there's a, a there's a there's a countdown or there's a time you know there's a time ticking and I think yeah. this is it. This is, I mean, twenty-five to twenty-nine. That's that's your that's your that's your window. If you don't do it there, then you're not going anywhere. You know, you're not going to Europe anytime soon. But yeah, because even because here's the thing: it's just like let's say it is like eight million dollars, which is like pretty good. You know, like that. I mean, not you know, not bad considering like some of the prices these sub, these players are going for in Europe. But then, and and I and I think Pizarro is a fantastic player. I'm actually a big fan of Pizarro when he's at his very best. But but then when you look at him, it's like this isn't some guy who's in his teens this is a guy who's in his early 20s this is a guy who's now 25 could be turning 26 soon he is not like i mean uh, he, he uh, i'm okay saying this maybe some fans aren't gonna be happy which is like he's not a crucial player for the mexican national team you know the mexican national team would be perfectly fine without bizarro you know mm-hmm. all he i think he's been impressive you know in, in times i've have seen him play for the mexican national team yeah I, I don't i don't think mexican national team's like success is riding on him so I think when you keep that in mind, will European teams be like, okay, so is is he going to be worth the millions that we'd potentially pay him? I don't know. But then again, at the same time, maybe if 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 they're if these teams are throwing out cash and tens of millions like nothing, maybe Pizarro would seem like a steal. Maybe someone like someone out there is like, 
I don't know, just playing too much football manager and they, they find Pizzo and they develop him into a great yeah. player that they convince <laughs> these teams or I don't know, maybe they find something on Weiss Scout, you know, that that one program, uh, it's something that, that we're like completely unaware of when it comes to, to Pizzotto. But, but yeah, I think that once again, I think it's a little tough when, uh, for the price that these Mexican players go for. But at the same time, maybe it's not that crazy to think that he could potentially go over there if they're, if they're throwing out, you know, cash like crazy right now. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, that's it. Uh, I'll wrap it up here. It's half, it's uh, 30 minutes to midnight. I don't want to take up too much of your time anymore, but but if you want to plug in anything, I know I know you write for ESPN FC, you write for the Athletic. I know you're part of the the Mexican Soccer Show. Uh, yeah, just anything that you want to plug in, what you're working on uh, before we go. Um, no, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, you can follow me at Cesar H Football on Twitter. Uh, yeah, no, for the most part, just talk about uh, Mexican soccer, sometimes some American soccer, sometimes some American lower league soccer. That's what I usually do. Um, sometimes right for other people, like I wrote for, for major league soccer, uh, earlier, uh, this month as well. Um, but yeah, for the, but for the most part, yeah, you can find my work on ESPN FC, the athletic, uh, and yeah. And on, uh, the Mexican soccer show, uh, podcast. Although I've seen some people not happy with uh, your MLS talk uh, <laughs> recently, yeah, that's just that's just the way it always is, man. It's just <laughs> that's a that's a deeper conversation. That's another <laughs> that's hour another podcast episode. Yeah. That's yeah. that's another almost two hour conversation. But yeah, no, I appreciate your time uh, uh, breaking down what happened uh, against Cholos. Just some Jonathan Gonzalez talk and some other topics surrounding Monterrey. So I appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, hopefully. Uh, we can talk soon, so uh, for Sessad, Ahmedi, uh, talk to you guys later. Bye.